Well, here we are. It's January the 11th of 2023, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. I am Nick here with Quinn. How are things going, Quinn? They're going excellent. Happy New Year. Yeah, it is a new year. Well, I mean, it's it's a it's it's a new year for those. I mean, who didn't join us for the the annual recap last week? Which, if you haven't watched that, you should check it out. We had a good time, even if there weren't like individual chapter discussions like we normally do. But some, hey, some say that's our best episode of the year. This is a, it, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can find one person, and if not, I'll just make a fake account that's me and say it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There, now it's true, so yeah, I'm saying. Some say, some. <laughs> I'll make two accounts, plural, done. Oh, it's been already uh, a packed year for me so far. Uh, we uh, did, of course, the episode last week. Um, had an anniversary with Nicole that was a, that was a big one. We went and did a th- some stuff together. We had some happy times. We walked oh. a lot. Um oh. Uh, and then on Tuesday night, I remembered I had a manga to read. So I read it. And, uh, to give you guys some context for those of you who, uh, maybe missed all of the lead up to this or, or whatever, uh, there was a bet that Quinn and I had going on, uh, which I just failed. Uh-huh. And so as a result of that, the audience had exclusive control over the next recommendation that we were going to do. Yes. And they chose to torture me. And you can't claim ignorance on this because everyone knew my thoughts on the series that we we're going to talk about today. They were negative. Uh-huh, I cool. did not want to talk about we, it. Anymore. We read the first three chapters on the recap. We did. We read the first three chapters of earth child on the recap. I expressed quite clearly, did not want to talk about it anymore. Did not want to, <clears throat> did not want to read it anymore. And knowing that y'all joyfully skipped to the ballot and voted for earth child for us to cover it. Well, guess what? I'm going to have my revenge on you fuckers today. Oh, oh God. What are you going to do? Quinn, hit the music. Uh, no, 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 no. We can't. We can't. Listen. No, 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 no. Don't, don't actually hit the music. We can't get copyright claimed, but I, I need everyone to use your imaginations right now. Pretend that my voice is several octaves higher and also way, way gravelier, uh, and that there is a really sick uh, guitar riff behind me, one of the greatest guitarists in history. And also, like, the visuals from Thor, Love, and Thunder, the opening, are playing. Oh. And Okay, okay. so now we've got all that going. All right, here we go. There's a device that it seems to me can alter and erase memories, but it has no consequence and only shows up twice. The dad and kid float up to space, then head turn around and head for his in-laws place, cause sensible plot progression the writer can't devise. Whoa, 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 Earth Child is grime. Whoa, 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 
only two verses to that song, so I'm not going to do the second one. It's excellent. I, I, I loved it. That was a beautiful uh, little ballad you showed us to us. This manga sucks. <laughs> I will not apologize for expressing that. I hated this manga. I hated every single chapter that I read. I hated every character except the one that you're not supposed to, like, you know, empathize with. But I did, which is a bad sign. <laughs> this manga... I, we'll get into why I didn't like it so much. Part of it was self-inflicted because I had to read 27 chapters in one night, but I did that. And here we are. Yeah. And look, I did the Those... same. I, I, I was like, well, I was like, look, I've read a portion of this previously. I'm just going to read it all in one go. And, you know, some would say that's the perfect way to digest it. I mean, it limits the amount of time you're reading Earth Child, so yeah. So it condenses it. It condenses it, you know? Which is maybe the way it should be consumed. <laughs> like getting like like getting a leg I, like getting a leg amputated. Like just do it at once, you know? I don't know about that, honestly. Because okay. when you read it all at once, you realize that it doesn't make sense the directions it goes in from sometimes chapter to chapter. So for those of you who didn't bother to read the manga, and I know that a bunch of you, you know, in reality, the reason you wanted us to cover this was because you did actually keep on reading Earth Child because you were like, this manga is insane and I want to see where the hell this shit goes. And so you did actually read it while it was coming out. And so even for those for those of you who did that, you might not be aware of the weird directions and backtracking that happens in this short but extraordinarily packed series. There's like three or four different climaxes that could be series finales. That happened in 27 chapters of this. First of all, the first chapter is a finale. <laughs> the, 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 the first chapter absolutely has this was a one shot at one point energy, and there was never meant to necessarily be something more. Uh, and then, you know, we, 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 we talked about it at the time. That, we did. That it, it felt like it, it was like, oh shit, I actually need to write more, more than one chapter for this. Uh, then there is a the conclusion of the main plot line that happens with their when there's still like six or seven chapters left. And I swear, when I was reading it, I was thinking to myself, they're at the ending. What are the last six chapters going to be? Well, it turns out that there is another story arc that happens there after a time skip because there were clearly more plans for the series to last longer and they get crammed into like four or five chapters. And then there is a one chapter after the end conclusion where you get to see how everyone's doing and how happy they are and stuff uh, -huh. uh it's mind-boggling how much happens in this very short shonen jump series the series by the way ran from uh, february through september of last year it was done by hideo shinkai it is a sci-fi series uh about a psychic powers endowed woman named kareri and how she uh, 
Well, it's not about her. Sorry. I mean, it's it about is. how a guy. <laughs> hey, Nick, I think we're leaving out a key detail about this character. The audience needs to know up front. He's very average. He's you gotta know this. So average. This is maybe, and, and I say this uh, in jest, but this is legitimately his major character trait. He is a normal dude. And what that means, the series will expand on as it gets to it. So this normal dude named Reisuke, uh, he he meets this superpowered psychic woman uh, named Kareri, who uh, is an Earth child. This person who uh, is somehow uh, endowed with these incredible abilities uh, and is kind of tasked as a result with, of this uh, with protecting humanity from various different cataclysms which could endanger them. Also, she fights crime. I was going to say, that so, does not actually come up ever. Uh, I mean, she does stop a lot of bank robberies for some reason. That's like a the, lot. The, like you are responsible for saving the world. Also, sometimes you have to save banks from being robbed. So, at first, Kareri doesn't really want to like get close to to Reisuke, but they fall in love. They get closer and closer and closer. They get married. They have a son. Uh, and then just as they're getting set to, you know, have their freaking life as a family together. Oh, my gosh. A giant, massive meteorite is going to hit the Earth and Kareri's got to go and stop it. Uh, there's this you know, kind of sense that, oh, Kareri's going on, a, on a, a suicide mission. There's no way she can make it back from this. Uh, and even though she and Reisuke try and, like, keep the faith and, and believe in each other that she will come back. Uh, that that doesn't end up happening. Uh, she ends up having to sacrifice herself in order to save not just the world, but also her husband and her son. Uh, and then just when it seems like all hope is lost in the moment where Kareri is gone, there are now powers that fall to their son, like in the exact same moment. Uh -huh. Now they're little kid i think his name is mamoru has powers so then like that's the first chapter <laughs> but then there's a whole bunch of stuff involving like a government agency there is in a brief an extraordinarily brief uh conflict over whether or not mamoru is going to be separated from reisuke and raised as to be the next big superhero to protect the world or if he can stay with his dad uh that gets resolved very quickly because, as it turns out, everyone that race kid comes across is a big softy pushover. Uh, no obstacles really actually rear their heads in a way that is dramatically interesting uh, that could possibly tear this family apart. Uh, and I, also, go ahead. I, was, I think in about the span of four chapters, three different chapters have the same premise. It might be like five chapters and it's three of them. Uh, but all mm. of them start with the premise of uh, Risque encounters some element of this organization called Waste that seem as though they are antagonistic towards him. And then by the end of the chapter, they're like, no, dog, 100% behind you oh, in this yeah. crazy fucking plan. Let's fucking go, dog. And I want to be clear, like only like the first or, or first two times does it seem like they're nefarious and you know like, oh the evil government or you know the 
the the big picture focused government that doesn't care about this small family and all oh, they're going to tear them apart. It's like, well, no, there's actual like reasonable concerns that they have, such as, well, Reisuke is a baby that has superpowers and Reisuke is a dude, a dude who's a single father who's going to try and raise this kid. And they're concerned about him, you know growing up to be a guardian of the world and he's like i'm gonna raise him the normal way he's gonna have a normal childhood and normal life and stuff we're not gonna sacrifice any of that you know he'll he'll be, grow up to be a responsible hero and stuff but also he'll he'll have a normal childhood so he doesn't you know grow up traumatized or whatever uh because Carreri had to kind of sacrifice her childhood and so he knows about that so Race kids like I'm gonna I'm gonna raise this kid by myself, and they're like, "Well, you can't do that because he's a psychic baby with no impulse control who could tear you apart immediately without understanding what he's doing." Uh, so there's a brief period where they're trying to figure out, like, "Well, what, how do we, you know, get Mamoru to stop blasting people with his mind energy and stuff?" And Reisuke is like, "Well, what if we like take him somewhere and just like let him play outside?" And they're like. Okay, and 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 Reisuke puts is still stupid about it because he's like, no, if I put on the bulletproof vest, they'll protect me from being torn apart. Then Mamoru won't be able to hug me or some shit like that. And they're like, you idiot, you can't do this by yourself. We're trying to help you. Put it on the fucking protective equipment and then play with your son. I so here's the thing. Um, I'm generally going to be with you on this. I do have to come to Earth Child's defense in that I think these opening chapters are probably the best parts of the series um, solely because it it presents some kind of challenge to Riske, which is like, hey, look, we're going to give you a lot of outs when it comes to this scenario that you're in. Uh, and you know, it, it does show to the content of his character to each time he does. He tries not to take the easy way out. Um, they offer him an opportunity to like, Hey, we'll take the kid for you. And he's like, no, I, I, I want to be a part of his life. Don't do that. Um, although thinking back on that scene makes less sense. Cause you find out eventually that like the director is like a super cool dude, but like if the baby hadn't like gone nuts, they were going to just erase his fucking memories. They did erase his fucking memories and they just came back anyway. Uh, they also present the like, hey, we can age him up 10 years and just give him artificial memories. <laughs> and he's like, no, I don't want that. The scene where he wants to play is is meant to show that Reisuke in his attentions can also be wrong. But it's it's something that's never really relevant. Reisuke is always correct in his feelings towards family for the rest of the series going forward. <laughs> so I'll say this is like one of the, the, the less good parts. But I do appreciate that the series does go to show that he is trying to do the right thing when it comes to this kid. I will actually agree with the heart of what you said, which is that this is the best part of the series. <laughs> <laughs> it's all downhill from here. It is. It absolutely is. It's like, yeah, there's actual challenges of the situation. And it's also, it's not just like, oh, the big things that are happening. It's, the little realities of what does it mean for this normal guy to be trying to follow through on this promise that he made to raise his godly empowered son in a normal way without, you know, resorting to sending him to a bunch of specialists that will be, will be able to look after him safely, if not properly, uh, you know, not seeking out help from people and stuff. Also, 
the weird thing is that like this dude's trying to like hold down a job as a single father too very very briefly and it's yeah. just like oh my the, dude you gotta make some compromises here. I, I think the series is a lot better when you just assume that the government agency pays for hear. everything oh can you hear me now oh uh -oh. this might be a problem uh, uh, snap my mic out. Uh-oh. Well, we'll examine that. Uh, but I would say that this series makes a lot more sense uh, when you simply uh, think Ow. that he doesn't have uh, there we go. a job and this government agency has to pay for everything for him, basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, he has to, he's like tries to send Mamoru to daycare briefly. Mm -hmm. And it's like, God, just at least make use of the government facilities to look after the kid when you're not looking after the kid, please. Yeah. But no, he's insistent on it. And also, like you said, the through line of the series is that Reisuke is like always right. Um, and that includes when he's being extraordinarily dumb about not just the realities of a dramatic and potentially cataclysmic situation but also in terms of like science where <laughs> <laughs> like they'll get into a situation where they've gone up into space which by the way the way they get very into easy. space very easy it's like three fit like three fucking pages into a chapter and they're like oh we made it into space when you think about how dr stone put essentially the goal of the series almost from the beginning was going to space and they said about it for hundreds of chapters even in series where it's more of a sci-fi thing where it's something that's like assumed to be common freaking samurai 8 had a more dramatic <laughs> setup for the characters are going to space now the way they go to space and the reason that they do this is because, as it turns out, Kareri is not dead. She did not actually sacrifice herself. Well, she did, but she did not lose her life in sacrificing herself. Somehow, her powers caused her to petrify her own body into this pseudo-meteorite thing that is orbiting the Earth now. And so the government agency has found this, and they're like, so it's technically possible we could potentially save her especially because there's like psychic connection going on between Kareri in her catatonic state and Mamoru and this lets her talk to Reisuke which takes a lot of the dramatic tension it really out of the story. does that does feel like it's a mistake to let them just talk to each other for like six straight chapters like they're just exchanging like normal conversations there's like comic relief that happens between them they have a little bickering argument at one point it's never treated as special that they can talk and that i mean look kareri is a better character than reisuke because you know my left sock is a better character than reisuke but so i guess her presence is somewhat welcome but uh it really does feel like it takes away from the situation of we got to get kareri back when she's there it's just that you know you're not reunited physically yet so they have to go into space to get her and but there's this kind of like guerrilla element to what they're doing because the, the division of the government that is allied and is united with race and his beliefs is only like a portion of the organization so they have they they don't like 
get a spaceship to send him up into orbit with a memorial or something like that. No. So there's this other retired earth child named, uh, what Albert, Albert, who is, who has a character at least I'll give him that. (laughs) He does technically. Yeah. He does actually have a character, uh, and personality. Is it a good one now? No, he does have one. It could have been. He's just too on the nose with it. He, like His whole thing is that I'm the main character, and so I'm the most important person, and everything will work out great because I'm the main character. Except that he's literally going around saying, I'm the main character, and everything is going to work out yeah. great for me because I'm the main character. He will literally and- be in this manga telling everyone he's the main character in a manga he's the side character, and you're like, huh. Um, yeah. Do we need to go back and explore? Well, fin- fin- finish how they get to space. So... The way that they do this is they need to go to space using psychic powers because they they can't have a ship yeah. because because so Albert it says, look, my psychic powers have faded since my big heroic last stand as an Earth child. So I can't lift all of us up, but I can lift Reisuke up and then. I'll have Momoro in a, a kitty carrier around my chest and the Momoro will want to go after daddy. And so he'll lift both of us up. And so that way we'll just psychically push ourselves up through the stratosphere to the space station. <laughs> yep. And like there is. It works multiple it, times. It works. And there is no fanfare over this at all. It's just kind of a big silly joke because they arrive outside the space station and there's this very miffed female astronaut who is a major supporting character in the series who's just angry at them that they don't seem to take into account the gravity of any situation that they're in. And she's just kind of bitter about it. Okay. And you know what? I was on her side through this entire series. All right. Well, all right, so we have to go back a little bit because we're we're missing one of uh maybe my favorite uh I don't understand why this is happening moment in the series, um so the character Albert was previously an Earth child and what right. we eventually come to find out is that all Earth childs uh, essentially die at some point. There's a big mission, uh, and they hear something that basically tells them how to activate their powers to a fuller extent, and then they will save the day. But they will die during that mission. And Albert had a brother who was like, hey, I I know this is the fate that falls Earth children. That's why there's basically when one dies, a new one replaces them. There's only ever really supposed to be one. So it's weird that we have like a a former retired one. Uh, but his brother's like, hey, I'm going to save you. I, I feel like I can figure it out. So they call it the Day of Destiny shows up for Albert. This is his cataclysmic event that he will supposedly die at. Uh, a, a black hole spontaneously appears yeah. on Earth, and he's yeah. like, "Gotta use my psychic powers to 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 fix this." Yeah. And the the way uh, he is told, like you know, some something we'll get into later tells him how to use his powers and like condense into a ball. And then his brother apparently secretly followed along with this mission in this moment, like runs up and grabs the ball of psychic energy from him. And like, which you could just do, you could just do grabs it. Like it's a fucking football and just leaps into the black hole. So he dies, but saves the day. And it's like meant to be this tragic thing. Uh, 
But then, like, Albert is talking to him, and he pulls up his shirt, and he's got, like, a giant, like, grafted skin part, like, over where his heart would be. And he's like, my brother's heart jumped to me. And you're like, oh, okay, like, this isn't literal. Um, but I think it is. And he's like, yes, my heart was destroyed from being near the black hole. And if you look at the art, it doesn't explain that at all. Like, his, his body seems fine. But I'm like, hey, it's a black hole. Who knows what it is? Maybe the vacuum of it inside of his body just destroyed an organ. That makes sense. His brother fucking jumped into the black hole. How was his heart recoverable? Like, what, yeah, no what one, is... <laughs> no wonder he died. <laughs> so, <laughs> his heart got ripped out of his chest on the way to the hole. <laughs> so that's why I'm like... Did, did this, was he literal? Did, did his brother's heart literally magically jump into yes. his body? Yes, <laughs> like, what, Quinn. What does that mean? Because that's why Albert's powers aren't so good. Is because he's got a bad heart transplant, which suppresses his powers. So, it's, look, it, it's mind-boggling to think like what, like the implications of that in the scale of this series <laughs> this manga seems to have the issue of the it never gets out of the pitch meeting or, or uh the you know that thing that uh, a lot of like uh, executives do where they'll get a bunch of people from a focus group in a room and then just have them throw out what kind of shows would you like to see and they just start throwing ideas around and stuff. And they're like, okay, well, yeah. And then they're like, okay, we'll take this and put it into a real story later. So, no, imagine that never happens. And just like every chapter, there's just a big random thing that happens that doesn't, hasn't been hammered out, hasn't been refined, doesn't connect to anything around it. And is just a big thing that happens. So, Oh, and there's there's another superhero who comes in, and he and he 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 collapsed a black hole with his powers, and his brother he sacrificed himself to save him. But 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 his heart, uh, yeah yeah, his brother's heart is now part of him because of the the black hole. Yeah, so like that, and uh, so they're gonna go to space because um they've got psychic powers, and so his psychic powers are weak, but the babies are strong, so he'll hold the baby while they're in. Well, they can't just float into space. They're wearing spacesuits, and then they go to space with their psychic powers. Oh, but okay, but uh, but once they're there, uh, Mamoru, like, how do they make sure that he knows how to recognize his mom? Oh, uh, okay, so they go back down to see Kareri's parents. This pissed me off so much. They go to the space. They get to the space station. And they're like, we'll use this as our base of operations. So when Kareri flies by at the right moment, we'll have Mamoru use his psychic powers to slow her trajectory so then we can grab her. Because we can't put fucking equipment up here or anything. Like, it's all going to be psychic powers that we use for this while we're in space. And so they're like, okay, but there's a problem with that. Does, is Mamoru going to recognize his mom? while she's you know a rock and so they're like hmm i guess that's not gonna work we need to teach momoru how to love his mother as a rock we need to go and see her parents let's go back down to earth after we just got to the space station and let's go visit them yeah uh there's there's a lot of frustrating sort of uh back and forth there also because like 
visiting her parents feels like a real like mood whiplash sort of thing. Uh, but this is also at the point in time where Reisuke and Kareri could just talk to each other on the fucking regular. Yes. So yes. that's like kind of where they start having like their most innocuous fucking dumb conversations. Like the entire time this is happening, Kareri is stuck in a rock. But like yeah. it is personified as though she is trapped in this endless darkness where she really can't see anything. However, in this like chapter, she's like lounging about on the floor. She's like one where she's like face down and like relaxing. <laughs> she's like boys. she's like yeah. I don't like it when people praise me. It always feels disingenuous. And you're like I'm glad you're kicking back in fucking death void up there. I appreciate that for you. <laughs> She makes a big deal when uh, Momoro and Reisuke are going to visit her parents. Like, don't let them go into my old room. Like, she's got this horrible thing that she doesn't want them to see. And the implication is that, oh, well, they had their memories erased because, you know, they, after they couldn't the whole... deal with the grief. So they were like, I would prefer to not know or something. Like I don't. So they specifically had any Earth child related memories that they had erased. So they don't know anything about how Kareri had powers or that she sacrificed herself to save the world. They think that she died in like a plane accident instead. So it's like, okay, don't bring any of that up. Then uh, it turns out that they still remember how they kind of raised Kareri to believe in truth and justice and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then it turns out that the thing that Kareri didn't want them to see was just how she kept mementos of things that they gave her to let her know that she was good and doing a good job because she was embarrassed by them. And that was her big secret. It's She's, in like a locked chest. Yeah. She's like, no one must ever know that my parents loved me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially my parents. <laughs> Especially my parents. <laughs> uh, so that happens, and they make the breakthrough. Can Memorial you imagine book. the feelings that would go through your head if you found like a locked chest in like a like a, like an important family member's like closet, and you're like, "What the fuck is this?" Like it's hidden, like the person's never talked about it before, and you finally like, wrapped in chains. Yeah, and you finally fucking crack it open, and it's just full of like text message printouts you sent them of like, "Oh, cool job!" Like you'd be like, "Do you need a? Are you insane? Do you need a hug? What's going on? Why do you? Why are you locking this up?" So like, I can understand like if this isn't in my house, but <laughs> I'm the most likely person to find this. I already know about all these things. I gave them to you. <laughs> like, you'd almost hope you're like, there better be a gun at the bottom of this chest. And there's like a, a bunch of like, <laughs> like, it's like a smoking gun and it's all elaborate, like build up like, oh, it's just full of garbage. Wait a minute. A gun. Aha. <sighs> so that all happens. Momoro breaks the, makes the breakthrough of like, oh, this is how much. My family loves my mom. I can love her as a rock, too, which is an incredibly complex thing for, you know, an eight month old to pull off. But good for him. Yeah. Uh, then they're like the, the parents are, are are not dumb. So they say to Reisuke, there's something that, you know, that we don't know. Right. Tell us. And so Reisuke is like, OK. And so they go and get the device that erase their memories and give them their memories back. Apparently, so you can just do that. <laughs> 
So all the dramatic tension over, you can't tell them about this because their memories have been erased. They just give them back. So there was no point in them not knowing about Carreri's powers at all because they got all the stuff that they needed from them while they're in the one sequence where they didn't have their memories and then they just have them again and everything's just fine. So why even bring up the erased memories? I don't know. So that happens and they're like, okay, now Mamoru can push the rock when it's coming towards us, when it gets close. So they start doing that. Things are going great, but oh no, uh, the meteor storm that we projected as coming in a few days, it's coming early. <gasps> and oh my God, it's like the, the tiny little, little tiny meteorites are, are, are shooting through uh, the, the, the beyond stratosphere. And one of them, oh, it pierces through Reisuke's hand. And so they're like, oh, it's too dangerous out there. We can't go forward with the plan. So Reisuke is like, no. We have to save Kareri, even if I have to throw myself out there and catch her. She flies by, and freaking Albert is like, "I like the cut of this guy's jib. I'm gonna use my horribly limited psychic powers that would not let me fly us around before to fly us around because I relied her in space. I guess so. Let's go and catch that rock." Oh man, stuff happens and Albert gets knocked out and they they can't quite reach. It's, so it's actually kind of funny because like they do this big build up of like I'm going to go out there, no you can't do this, you're going to abandon your son, like you're going to die out there and Albert's like, "No fuck that. There will not be two dead earth children on my hands. I'm bringing this one along. I'm going to save him." And then they float out like 3 feet and then he's like, "Cool frock." <laughs> <laughs> and it's just he's, there's so much drama after that and you know he's just and all the points of it just fucking flowing they're like <laughs> so albert gets knocked out and race but race game manages to he manages to reach and oh my gosh Carreri, she moves even though she's petrified and they hold hands but it's not enough to fully awaken her they need her to wake up so that she can use her powers to save them so race is like no, no sacrifice. No, no. All of us are going to make it through this. He just takes his helmet off and starts making out with her while she's petrified. And it wakes her up because everything that this guy tries, throwing himself out into space with no weight means of tying himself down, just throwing himself at his psychic kid when he's not wearing a bulletproof vest, making out with the girl while he's in the depths of space. It always works out for him because... This is a shonen series, and with the determination and a kind heart and a sense of justice, you can do anything. This manga made me hate shonen, shonen manga. manga. <laughs> Jesus, uh, Nick, we have I have some bad news. We're going to be talking about a lot. We got to talk about a lot of shonen manga here. Uh, yeah, like it. There's the challenge that the series has, where um, race gay will not be deterred, and his solution to every problem is like, well, family is important. And, like, it doesn't matter what the scenario is. It's not like he's, like, uh, you know, he could be something as, like, simple as, like, I need to convince this organization that they need to work with me. Or it could be as complex as, like, yeah, my wife is a rock in space and I don't know how to save her. All of it is, has this exact same answer. If you believe in your family, it'll work out. And it, it does every time. They never use that to be, like, well, never giving up hope allows them to, like, think of an ingenious solution or anything like that. But just essentially magic can happen when you believe in your family. And you're, like... All right, dog, fucking 
Vin Diesel, let's do it, man. Fucking make out with your statue wife. And no, I, you know what? I bet she's going to turn into a real girl because if if she doesn't, then you're just dead. So yeah, it better work out for you, I guess. Yeah, that's, you know, the magic of sh- over the top stories, uh, particularly when it comes to shonen manga, is presenting a seemingly uh, impossible scenario. And then the good guy through guts and determination manages to turn it around and win the day. The key to that, however, is you have you as the reader have to believe in them, whether it is in their personality, whether it is in their cool powers, uh, their cleverness, whatever. There's got to be something that makes you look at that person and say, I believe that they can actually do this. And when they do it, you get excited and pumped. When Reisuke, a normal fucking dude who won't stop fucking throwing himself out of airlocks while crying about his kid and his wife, saying, I'm not going to give up anything because he's an entitled douchebag, keeps on having everything work out for him. I just keep on one of those meteorites to put a hole in his skull so that he won't show up anymore. <laughs> and so that something more interesting will happen. It ruins the sense of mystique. It ruins the sense of fun. It ruins the sense of, you know, just suspending disbelief and thinking that, yeah, in this hopeless scenario, there is, in fact, hope to be found. It's like, no, this seems like there's just a guy in the real world who things just magically work out for. And I don't like that guy. I wish something wouldn't go well for him. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is is deeply frustrating. Neither of the two characters, like the leads, are particularly interesting characters, so their romance doesn't really come across that memorable. But uh, Eerie Gray uh, asks, like, how she could save him for the vacuum space. I know Eerie Gray knows the answer, but it, it is worth elaborating because, like, yeah, like he takes his helmet off in space, like he's done for, right? Even if she comes back to life, like, well, no. Because after Kariri comes to life, she uses her psychic powers to pull a big glob of the atmosphere back to her and then shoves it down Riske's mouth, thus giving him enough oxygen to then trap him in a bubble so that they can safely bring everyone back down to Earth. It is chef's kiss. Wonderful. Fuck science. Who gives a shit? I mean, in a better manga, it'd be really cool. Uh, I, a lot that's of things the I'm series putting, does in a bit. Yeah. Better manga would be pretty cool, actually. That's not why I'm putting my head in my hands. Now I'm remembering that then Reisuke has a near-death experience mm-hmm. where he meets the villain of the manga. <laughs> antagonist. This manga has a villain. This manga has an antagonist. Like I, the the entire time up to this point, it was just kind of like forces of nature. And also occasional bank robbers that were like the actual force to be overcome. But no, there is there's an antagonist and it's the Earth itself, uh-huh. a which is, takes the avatar of like this bratty teenage girl who's sucking on a lollipop that looks like the planet all the time. It's too uh, sexual, too. There's a lot of like close ups on her sucking on the Earth lollipop. You're like, I don't like that you're doing this now. I don't like this character being designed this way now. <laughs> So, Reisuke's near death, 
the avatar of the earth wants him to die because his presence is now kind of fucking things up because it has generated there being two active full earth children in the world. Uh, and he makes them more powerful. And she says some old bullshit about how this is bad because reasons. Uh, no, OK, hold on. I, I need to go over this because this all right, up until this point. I wasn't actually that upset with this series. It's like some stuff's dumb, whatever. It is the moment Tara, as she comes to identify herself as, oh, they don't. Tara, know her. They never in... call herself that. They just keep calling her the Earth. Yeah, afterwards. she's 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 essentially like Gaia, you know, the yeah. spirit of the Earth. But she calls herself Tara as in Terra Firma or Tara who betrayed the Teen Titans, if yes, you will. Exactly. So Tara. Yes. yes. Uh, so she is explaining to Riske why he cannot exist. And she keeps positing throughout her entire run of this series, the dumbest fucking conjecture hypotheticals out there. Her logic is like, there can't be two active Earth children because what if there is a conflict between two different groups and Kakeri uh, fucking finds herself siding with one group. Well, the other group is undoubtedly going to flock to Mamoru. And then you have a conflict that is headed by these two earth children. And because you physically, not like spiritually, anything of like that physically, physically, your body empowers these children, like a fucking aura buff in world of Warcraft, your body will be fought over split in half, shredded to pieces, and the side that ends up with more pieces of your body will win this awful conflict that will result in so much devastation for the planet. And he's like, oh my god, in despair. And you're like, what hypothetical are you referring to? Who are these groups? What What is actively happening in this thing you're suggesting? <laughs> I'll tell you what hypothetical that is, Quinn. A more interesting manga. <laughs> I I read through that and I was like, that makes no goddamn sense in the context of this series. There is no logic behind why any of that would happen in the universe that you have set up. But fuck it. I want to read that instead. <laughs> A series where they're hunting down some dude's body parts because they make their magic person more powerful. Ooh, fuck Nick, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, Nick, don't worry. We're going to get to part seven of JoJo sometime very soon. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, that happens. Now the Earth is the villain. There's a time skip. Mamoru is now six. He looks like he's 12, mm -hmm. but he's six. I thought he was eight. now. Okay, maybe. Yeah, you're right. You're right. In my mind, I was like, wasn't he eight? No, I just forget. I don't care. He and his parents are now a superhero team because dad despite not having powers of his own gets to go with us because, because he again, quote unquote makes us more powerful it, 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 they they decide they're like dude he's so he, just by touching either his wife or his child like physically it empowers them both so greatly so he has to now come along with these missions and that allows us to make sure that uh fucking mamoru who i think was like four when they started sending him on a mission so like yeah but his dad's there so like fucking stop those bank robbers junior <laughs> So they come up against literally the earth itself. It's like, I'm sick of all this. I'm going to separate you. There's a whole thing that involves illusions and stuff and trying to break Mamoru's will. And eventually 
Mamoru and Kareri using Reisuke's buff split all three of themselves into molecules and say, spread themselves around the world. They, so they, they use their psychic powers to molecularly separate themselves so that they can all have a family meeting inside of Death's Door. And that is fucking awesome. I know this series is dumb. That shit ruled so hard. And they basically make... Tara sit down and give her a stern talking to to stop all this. They don't. They let. Then they're like. They let her immediately control the family. (laughs) We should be a family, and we'll take care of you and promise and stuff. She does another one of her hypotheticals because they're all sitting at the table. She's like, "What are you gonna do?" She's like, "You sat me next to your child," and she pulls out a <laughs> knife and goes to stab more. Eric Carey's like, "No," and blocks her with her psychic energy. She's like, "You fool! Don't you know by doing that?" And the knife goes flying, shunk right into her dad's chest, and she's like, "That'll happen." And you're like, "What are these hypotheticals?" That if she blocks the tech, it'll, it'll undoubtedly if you kill save. her father. If you save one person, someone else has to die. That's how I decide the world works. And it's like, well, but no, because this is a difference in psychologies because the entire thing of race case family is no, 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 no consolations. Everyone lives. Everyone survives. It's like, that's not how the world works and stuff. It's like, yeah, but you're literally arguing with the spirit of, you know, a planet. So I, oh my God, I, so she decides eventually, I guess you'll be of use to me. I'll stop trying to tear you apart and stuff. As long as it's, as long as I say so, but maybe I'll be back one day, Gadget. Yeah, she she goes to this whole thing. By the way, she also has a small speech where she reviews, because our entire philosophy is like Earth children are, because my body, all of you are a part of my ecosystem. This is basically like my, my living body. And Earth children are like my white blood cells that defend me against invaders. And eventually when a cell is outlived its usefulness, it needs to be purged like any dead cell should. And you're like, all right, I can kind of operate under that logic. And she goes on to explain, she's like, I hate humans. Back in the day, I used to use dinosaurs, and they were way more good. And we just get, like, a single shot of, like, a psychic dinosaur trying and dying to stop the asteroid. And you're like, why didn't we read this manga? This is so much cooler. I don't know. I don't know, Quinn. I think psychic dinosaurs is a really, really dull premise. They'll never work. <laughs> never. We gotta. We gotta have more of our characters despair for sixteen chapters. Um, but she she goes to explain. She's like, "All right, you've convinced me. I don't even remember what they do to convince her. They just believe really hard because that's how they solve every Basically. problem." Basically, and she's like, "Fine. Uh, I guess what I can do instead is how about you guys work for me." And you make sure these things happen and the world continue. You protect my body, protect the earth. And then uh, we will continue this and we'll evaluate later. And like, they just leave and no one just says like, isn't that kind of already what we were doing? Isn't that what the earth children (laughs) were doing to this point? Do you not remember like the freaking giant asteroid that, that Kareri, never mind, fine. Yeah. (laughs) And like, it's, it's very obnoxious because you're like, I want to be angry at this, but at the same time, like, we're almost at the end. Like, let's just keep powering through this. Yep. And, uh, and why, then... why does 
the earth child seemingly do things like you're like oh it's protecting the whole earth like why doesn't you have the earth child like go around doing things that like helps protect the actual earth itself that, that's where you're really like why yeah. are why are you stopping crimes why are you saving people from trucks like shouldn't your job be out there to be like i actively need to protect this ecosystem this uh, system and stuff like that like what is your purpose at this point oh hell why doesn't, you know, freaking the Earth bring up the point of, like, humans are destroying yeah. the Earth with pollution and everything? There, for a series that is entirely about how the Earth is using these things as, like, a, a literal, like, immune system, there is zero environmental message in this manga. It is not once brought up that, like, humans are causing problems to the environment or anything like that. The Earth's just like, hey, could you stop these hurricanes that I also have absolute power to control as evidenced by the fact that i sent like six of you there's six of them at you last chapter uh and then the series just kind of ends there, there there's just like a time skip the big time skip is to confirm that oh man mamoru he graduated was, elementary uh, school yeah i was gonna say like what middle school i think he was or elementary school well, they say you're a junior high school student now, okay. so he's like now 11, 12. He looks like he's 16, but he's like 12, I guess. And everyone's kind of act, in the support cast is kind of acting like this is their big like, oh, I no longer have to like, you know, be his mentor. I could just like retire or something. And it's like and he's 12. So I don't know how that changes anything, whatever. Uh, and, uh, Kareri and Reisuke are, like, this kind of still super lovey-dovey, uh, like, you know, not even middle-aged couple. They're in their, like, 30s now, I guess. And, and, and Mamoru's kind of grossed out by them, and, uh, that's just it. It's just, like, they're happy. The end. Uh, <laughs> well, like, like, oh, Mamoru's growing up a little bit because he doesn't want to spend all this time with his parents now. He wants to, like, spend time with his friends. Oh, he's growing up a little bit. There's, like, a weird note, too, that, like, they're like, yeah, all these things are going to keep working. And Mamoru's like, and, you know, the Earth's always watching us and at any point in time may decide fuck us and try to kill us again. So I guess we'll have to deal with that if the time comes. Like, they try to paint the idea that, like, Terra is part of this family, like, almost like a sister, mm -hmm. you know? And then they're just like, yeah, now it's kind of hovering over us. Like, it's probably going to kill us at any point in time if it's not happy with the job we're doing. Which, again, considering we're doing the exact same job we were doing beforehand, yeah. I don't really know how promising this thing will work. But I, I don't know. There's there's no indication that they're doing anything differently, focusing on different things. Of nope, they're just doing like stuff. Yeah. They're still being the they're still being the superhero family thing. So, but Albert grew out his beard, and that's an important oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In order to show that time had passed. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, hate this manga. <laughs> I hate it in my core, and it's all, and that hatred is always going to be with me now. And, um, thanks guys for having me read this. Uh, so I actually kind of like this manga. Um, look, I, <laughs> I don't hate this manga as much as you do, or most of the other people do. There are absolutely, I, I, I'd, I'd be shocked if you hate it as much as me. <laughs> there are absolutely like big problems with this manga that are extremely obnoxious. My biggest issue with it is it, it really is like obnoxiously obsessed with people being like in despair or anguish like so many chapters are like a character saying something to race gay like hey we don't think this will work or something like that and just be like ah, 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 
for like 16 pages and then at the end of it it's like oh wait no i believed it i solved the problem and you're like this is so frustrating not to physically read like it, it is constantly doing that and then eventually we don't have to do watch race gay do it anymore we get to watch his stupid kid do it instead and it's like three chapters where there's two chapters back to back where tara just says something to yeah. fucking Mamoru, and Mamoru has to go through a whole bunch of like, ah, until he's like, oh wait, I have family, and then he's no longer intimidated by her anymore. And you're like, this is so obnoxious. And that entire part is such a wild whiplash. Like even for how silly the series was at the start, the Earth comes after these three. And starts sending hurricanes shaped like his parents at Mimoru, who's just like, we're here to kill you. We hate you, son. And you're just like, what am I reading at this point? Like, it was truly a moment where you're like, where have we gone? But at the same time, I do pull back a little bit and I say, like, look, the series is being canceled. I can't really shit on a series for being like wild and over the top when it's getting canceled because like half of the series in manga, like in Shonen Jump do that. Like I didn't read, like we joke about it with series like Red Hood, but it, it does feel cruel to be like, you went off the rails. Like, I don't know, man. I feel like if I was getting canceled too, I'd be like, I don't know. Fuck it. Maybe the earth's like a real person. No, like I feel like there was a quarter of the series that could have been cool. Cause if you had just built upon more of like the raising a kid aspect and like playing into this weird family thing. Because there are like legitimately two moments that I was like, this is like a cool manga thing. And we've talked about one. The family meeting is legitimately a cool moment. It sucks afterwards because they don't actually talk her down or anything like that. They just kind of let her walk all over them until they're like, family. And then she's like, all right, I'll give you another chance. Um, but the other one is when they're like, hey, we can't get uh, the rock that Kareva is in to stop. And they're like, the only way to do it is like fire a direct burst of energy. And they're like, oh, like a game of peekaboo. And I was like, that's cool. Like, it's that's dumb. That's a great idea. It's yes. so stupid, but you're playing it. Like, the idea of them going to space, you should have been playing with like, it's like playing up or something like that. Like, just do dumb, like raising kid things. And that would be a much more entertaining series. Um, but as it is, like, I thought it was mediocre at the start. And then it gets very obnoxious as every chapter is just about characters despairing because they think their loved one is dead and then they're not because they they thought of like a time they went to a carnival or something like that they're like oh yeah we're, we rule we're a family and then the person comes back or whatever and then it just becomes wild at the end and you, re- you leave and you're like i don't really know what the message to all this was <laughs> like the message was if you believe in someone that you love then that everything will be fine you don't have to like you know follow that up with like a plan or taking action or anything just believe yeah just believe uh the wikipedia article for this it has like a reception page and the reception page are like two positive quotes and i was like well that's weird one of them is just like this series is like and it's you know whoever it is someone from like screen ran or something like that says the series is quote emotional and i'm like I guess that's true. It is very emotional. I don't know if I'd say it's a good kind of emotional, but, you know, it was there. Yeah. I love it when they, you know, do that. And it's like, well, did they, does that, is that a good or a bad? It's like, well, it was emotional. Yeah. It's like, it's high praise for the series. Uh, (laughs) Me falling down the stairs is quote emotional. (laughs) Um, and I'd probably, you know, I, I was going to make a joke. Like, I'd probably prefer that to this series. But again, I didn't hate that as much. Uh, I think this series is bad. Uh, I think it's actually a little more cohesive than I think a lot of other people do. I think it flows together at the start. It's, you know, just uh, it, it falls apart towards the end. 
Um, but I think that's true for a lot of canceled series. Yeah. Uh, I thought the series was garbage uh, well before it was on the road to being canceled early. Uh, I We haven't even really talked about the non-starter of a subplot over the age uh, acceleration that apparently all Earth children went through where their childhood was essentially lost because they were artificially aged 10 years because, you know, it's really difficult to, t- to teach one-year-olds. So instead, they start by teaching them at 10 years old after just artificially aging them and they modify their family's memories. Also, I think that it really takes away from the series to have Reisuke be the person who's trying to raise Mamoru if you and find out that Kareri had parents, because then what's so special about Reisuke, you know, being there as a parent to a super child and what makes that case exceptional if, you know, the previous Earth child had parents raising them too. Yeah. Uh, so there's so many different problems I have with this series. But yeah, primary thing is I just do not believe in it. And for a series that goes this hard on all of its big emotional beats, not believing in it is a disconnect that is impossible to overcome. I could not go on the ride that the series took, and I hated every minute of it. So, all right. We're gonna, we're, we got other monitors to talk about. We're going to read about a good one next, Nick. Just you wait. <laughs> all right. Let's talk. Let's go. I guess we're going to have to double time through our, through our recap. So let's start with My Hero Academia, chapter number 377, The Chain Thus Far. Bad stuff's happening because the heroes are losing their advantage left and right. Uh, people are getting warped all over. Villains are knocking over the heroes in all the different situations. First thing that we see in this chapter is the Aizawa uh, team getting swarmed by uh, twice clones that Toga has summoned that have been transported there by Kurogiri. And because the nullification ability is gone, now Shigaraki's quirks can actually activate. Uh, and they that immediately disrupts the big floating uh, cage arena that they're in. Uh, the cell around them breaks. We see some people inside the depths of it trying to recover. They're they're losing control of it. And on top of that, Skeptic has hacked in. He's in. He's inside the Matrix. And he's going to take over everything. Not only is the big floating island thing under their control, but also uh, they can even hack into freaking the UA uh, bunkers and control them as well. So now all the people taking shelter inside there aren't going to be safe and shigaraki slash all for one is mocking deku saying that you know the entire world is going to be destroyed and, and it's like oh and hey what do you want to do hey deku you want to sit down for a chat at the mall it's like wow that's a callback that was like <laughs> that was like seven years ago <laughs> um skeptics bragging over everything but there's a screen crackling in the corner what's going on there Deku realizes how horrible the situation they're in is, and he's like, I've got to keep, you know, this base in the air, and I've got to also keep an eye on Kurogiri so that Shigaraki can't escape. How do I do this? I, that There's not even enough room to breathe, and I, all of the quirks that I've been using are now taking their toll on me, so I need a second to rest. My body can't get enough oxygen, uh, and his quirk, uh, his uh, previous wielders start talking to him and stuff, and one of them says... There's a silver line to this dark cloud. Those of us who resonate within uh, all for one so we can peer into each other's inner workings. And at the moment, it seems he's in no position to manipulate the flesh he's possessing. 
So there's there's a little light, and the chain of events leading to this moment will be your power. And back in Skeptic's Lair, that screen solidifies into an image, and there's a silhouette with pigtails who says, I found you. It was really easy hunting you down. Nothing's too much for me. This is all for gentle sake. And it's fucking La Brava. La Brava's back and she's hacking it. It is legitimately probably the most hype that my hero has been in maybe like a year or two where you're like, oh, fuck yeah, this is an awesome moment. Uh, yeah, La Brava's there. Uh, uh, Sukauchi is uh, seemingly watching her from the side. So it looks like she is working on behalf of the police, presumably doing some sort of thing to help uh, Gentle get a bit of a plea bargain. Aww. I'm so happy that she's back because fuck it. That was the best arc of my Academia was when those two are around and they're back or she's back at least. Yeah, we'll see. if I, I imagine we might see Gentle at some point. But yeah, I mean, this is like legitimately a very cool moment that like is just like a good turnabout moment for the heroes. I hope that's where we're leading to. We were kind of in like the depression conga for a little bit. Uh, and it was like kind of like a like a distressing moment to see the 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 portal open up and then just twice clothes tumble over all of Aizawa's group. You're like, ah, shit. And then the giant explosion immediately. Like it, there is a lot of like intimidation and terror to it. But like, yeah, it's super cool seeing the Brava. Yeah. So this was a legitimately nice surprise, uh, you know, and it's a great choice to be have a big, you know, surprising. Here's who's going to, you know, help turn things around thing, because legitimately was not expecting LeBrava to show up in this particular moment. Very good. Yeah. Let's Nick <sighs> talk about Undead Unluck. This is number 142 face off. Void folks, your belt is as good as mine. Fuku's um, going to do that for the entire promo. She, she is not. That was one line, and now my voice hurts. Uh, and, now, and then, and then Void Vokes is going to be Toby Maguire. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so everyone's like, wait, what's going on? Get this girl off the stage. Nico, uh, Gina, and Chica are in the audience. And I, I do like Gina will have a great range of reactions throughout this chapter as she watches. Oh, so many. Uh, as uh, Nico's like, it's yeah, it's about time for a title defense match that'll never make the history books. <laughs> uh, and Fuko's just like, oh, shit. Boy, <laughs> it's fucking tall. He's taller than Andy. Maybe like this is wild. Wait a minute, is he getting ready for battle already? Because he throws off his cloak and he's like, What's your name? And she's like, Fuko Azuma. And he's like, I see. And then it just cuts you throwing the cloak <laughs> over her and he's like, How do you spell it with an F or an H? And she's like, An F. And he's like, Here you go. You're my loyal fan. Skrika, skrika, skrika. And he's like, That's Two things, two things right off the bat. One, this is so much more than what we got in his first run through. I like him so much more already. And two, it took me a little bit to realize what he's drawing there is it's his symbol, which is just his name, like spelled out very strangely because the V is in the center surrounding the I. Yes. But it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of wacky. So he signs Foucault's jacket and she's like, no, you've got it all wrong. I'm here to fight you. And they're, you know, they're talking to like, okay, he doesn't have unavoidable yet. Tragedies always a or always accompany negation ability manifestations, and his manifestation is when he kills his promising young opponent in this match. That's why Fuku got on her hands and knees to convince the opponent to back out. 
then she could take on the tragedy instead and persuade uh, Void to join the the fight in Union. So essentially to succeed at this quest is making Void recognize her as an enemy. It's a requirement for it. And it's not happening right now. He's literally taking a picture with her. Like he's doing like a little like, you know, uh, peace fingers like say cheese. And Fuko just has this face like, like no, it's not what it's <laughs> Take me seriously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, ah, this isn't working, anything like that. Uh, but Fuku's uh, just like, hey, remember what you said a while ago, Mr. Nico, about me losing people's faith? Like, I'm not going to use the mind control on this guy. Like, I've already tampered with people's lives badly enough already. I've got no problem with distorting facts about the rest of the world. Uh, but I want to meet everyone as myself. No gimmicks. Because they're like, hey, we could like change his memories to make you think you're like a world champion mm-hmm. boxer or something like that. Like, no, we're not going to do that. So like, all right. Have it your way. Leave everything to us. So Vugo's just like, void Volks? What? If you're looking for uh, for me to thank that, or if you're looking to thank me, then and she gives him like a glare. And then they we just get a shot of Fuko's face getting punched in. Uh <laughs> It doesn't actually happen. Fuko like stumbles backwards. He's like, wait, was that your bloodlust? And Void's like, wait, do you really plan on fighting me? You shouldn't look like it, but you, you don't dabble in the sport. But listen up. Boxing is the simplest and fairest form of entertainment. And the weight classes are heavily divided, allowing everyone to pick the world that suits them. They train, issue challenges, and compete for strength. You and I are from different worlds. It's not a matter of who's better than who. You should shoot to be number one in your own realm. So then Fuko starts doing like a boxing stance and like doing like the shuffle. And he's like, no, you weren't listening. I told you. And she's like the same. We're born on planet Earth. We're both people who inhabit it. The rules you speak of don't matter. I'm not here as a boxer. I'm here as another human being who wants to box with you. And he's like. All right, stop the cameras. <laughs> and Fuko's, All right, no one filmed me beating the shit out of this tiny girl. <laughs> and she's like, keep those bitches rolling. And he punches and he, he catches just her cloak. She comes underneath, catches him in the like a body shot in the uh, or body shot in the abdomen. He's like, oh, she ducked and land a body shot. Although her punches are light. And then Fuko like kind of stumbles backwards and has like the blood spurt out. And he's like, yeah. I like the cut of your jib. Uh, hey, well, any last minute opponent do? Because, like, big wig sponsors would be up in arms or anything like that. And Fuko's like, ah, that won't be a problem. If you've given it the okay, Mr. Void, then I'll just cast a little spell. And this is where we we see Mr. Nico's technology come into effect. Just be like, oh, you can manipulate people's minds to make sure these events happen. Because they're all just like, this doesn't really feel like something we should allow. And it's like next panel was like, this fucking rules. I can't wait. <laughs> and Void's like, oh, I get what's going on. But oh, well, as long as I get to fight you. <laughs> uh, and he's like, sorry about that. I'm, I'm pretty disappointed in myself. I got a smidgen stronger and forgot all about my past. I used to fight day and night. No rules attached. Very dirty. I was lucky enough to duke it out with all sorts of tough guys you've never seen before. So take it easy. I'll see you in the ring. And like, there's a shot of Gina having to be physically held back because she wants to storm this stage. Yeah. And they, you know, Nico and them get up there and Fuko passes straight out. Like they have like a tourniquet already ready for. 
and are like, holy shit, that just like brief like grazing she got fucked her up and all like basically knocked her on her ass. And everyone's like, oh wow, this is crazy. Fuka's like, yeah, if I had bitten my lip, I would have passed out completely. And Nico's like, what's your plan? Because your punch didn't even affect him. And we cut over to Void, who's like leaned against a wall. And he's like, what the fuck kind of punch was that? It <laughs> fucked me up from the inside out. This is going to rule. <laughs> and that's the end of the chapter. We get the the we get a shot of the boxing ring. It's January 31st, 1999. You know, Will Smith's Millennium is going to hit any day now. <laughs> Quest, the captured negator, unavoidable. If they manage to succeed, they get the, the location of Remember. Yeah. This was a great chapter, primarily because it reintroduces us to Void, and it's like, oh, Void could be very fun. It yeah, turns out. we've we've, um, we've very spontaneously have turned him into a much more interesting character. Which, yeah, I will take that one hundred percent. You know, if you're going to run a rehash of your series and you know indicate that there's going to be differences, you might as well go all the way with it. Hint, hint for something we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, but uh, this is nice. Uh, I, I am actually hyped for this fight that they're going to have, and I did not think I was going to be. But uh, yeah, here we go. All right. Very quickly, because there are two chapters of Chainsaw Man that that have come out since the last time we talked about the series. When we left, left off in chapter 115, uh, Denji had suggested to Asa that she try eating starfish, and she actually takes them up. In chapter 116, she points out, you know, which ones are and are not edible. They get some cooking uh, and um, they, you know, like it's kind of like chow down for a little bit while kind of getting to know each other. Uh, also realized like she's she can't eat very much. She has a moment where she tries to eat some fish and then she kind of laughs at her because she's kind of going there. And then she's like, you're, you're fun. And Asa's like, what, what you fun. And then she says, well, what you say is really boring, <laughs> but you're interesting to watch. And Asa has this very endearing moment where she's like, yeah, I am an interesting woman. I'm fun, right? Yeah, you're really good at noticing stuff. I'm charming, right? And uh, she just kind of stares at her for a second. But then he says, I like that attitude. Reminds me of an old friend. I nearly cried at that moment. I was like, he, he I love, reminds him of power, I love power so much. Um, then she looks around and she sees that, like, because like Denji's like been gathering like this this one discarded uniform hat that's been in the hallway, so that then he can when they get out sell them. Uh, and she thinks of something, and so she finishes eating the fish and she says, "I think I have a way out of here. So help me." And she's like, well, what do we do? And she says, we got to collect money. And so Denji, since he's been scouring the hallway for money, uh, says, all right, well, there's some money here, there's some money here. And they run around. They keep running from hallway to hallway to hallway, piling this m money up, still taking stuff out of bags and wallets. And as they're running, they're having like a good time as they're just kind of chasing each other through this place and gathering money together. And uh, eventually they have all this stuff in a big backpack. And Edgy says, I think that we've got over a million yen here. So what do we do with it? And Asa says, you got to give it to me. 
And of course, Denji's like, no, money! <laughs> so Asa says, look, once we're out of here, I'll grant you any request. Here you go! <laughs> so simple. <laughs> so simple. My poor boy. So Asa says, look, just do exactly as I say. Go over there, close your eyes, cover your ears. And Denji's like, all right! And he goes to do that. And so Asa looks around to make sure no one's near herself. And she thinks to herself, okay, look, this is insane, but it doesn't matter. It matters what I perceive of it. So she takes a breath and she puts the bag on the ground and says, I'm going to pay the millionaire in this bag and buy this aquarium. And then she puts her hand on the glass of a tank and says, aquarium spear. This was a very cool chapter and would have potentially been like my chapter of the week for many different reasons. Uh, the conclusion, the bonding between Denji and Asa, that wasn't the chapter this week. It was this one, which is also not bad. Uh, <laughs> also pretty well. We also, I think, skipped over the fact that she asked eventually why he saves money. And he's like, I kind of yes. got this little sister he, at home, and she's super smart, and I want to, I want to take her to college, which is like a big changes, thing, because Asa's like, oh, he's not changes a her scumbag. perception of him. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, speaking of Denji and changing perception, Denji realizes, wait a minute, why am I just mindlessly obeying this girl? I, 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 I promised myself I would stop doing that, but she'll do whatever I want if I do this. And then while he's thinking of that, he looks down and sees a fucking penguin. And he's like, penguin! Cutest <laughs> fucking thing, man. He's just like, it's a penguin! Oh my god. I love Genji happy. Like, he just fucking, like, when it's like this sweet and innocent, he deserves to be happy. When he's like a weirdo, he's like, I need boobs. You're like, alright, man. But leave yeah. here. I love him. Look at this little guy. Seems to not even notice that there are fish everywhere lying on the ground around him because the aquarium has fucking disappeared because Asa's made it into the aquarium spear, which is a polearm that has two metal sardines at the tip. Uh, I the love that the attorney devil's like, this is bullshit. You can't <laughs> buy an aquarium for a hundred million over a million yen. It's how much it costs. Don't you understand? There's like labor costs and things like that. It doesn't even cover the building. But hey, the attorney devil has now emerged so they can fight it. The attorney devil is really mad at famine because he's like, fuck this. This is what was supposed to happen. Fuck you. He goes to kill Asa. Hey, Yoshida's here. He gets to do something. He summons his squid tentacle devil thing and rips its arm off. Uh, and then immediately after that happens, Asa closes her eyes and shifts and Yoru's in control now. They're reunited because the aquarium prison is out of the way. And she kind of like teases Asa saying like, what, you, you, you're, you're feeling guilty because of you have the guilt of running an aquarium. That's just like you, Asa. Uh, and then she starts wielding the aquarium spear and uh, she chucks it like a javelin and it punctures the eternity devil and who explodes into guts and fish and sharks. It's it's, it's wonderful. Great. It's absolutely beautiful. A great two page spread. Blood pours out everywhere uh, as well as the fish. Uh, the devil hunting crew all have reactions, including the dickbag president who looks at her and is like, wait a minute, that power and seems to realize something. 
Denji still got the penguin. Uh, he's, he wants to keep. he's just like, I love this little guy. Uh, Famine watches all this from a perch above, and uh, she seems to kind of catch, meet eyes with Yoshida, who seems to have uh, realized what happened there. But we don't really get any more focus I hate on this. that. I hate, so. I hate Yoshida so much because something fucking mischievous is going on. The dude was mm-hmm. like, yeah, would you kill death for us, Denji? Like, this dude knows something. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a brief montage of them kind of explaining things to the police. Denji's kind of sad that he has to give the penguin back to the zookeeper, the aquarium keeper, whatever. Uh, but then he walks Asa home because, eh, he's a good guy. And Asa says as they're getting back, man, that'd be the worst date ever. And Denji says, it wasn't so bad. Aww. I got to touch a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. I love you, buddy. Um... And then Denji brings up, like, hey, you said you'd grant me any request. And Asa's like, yeah. And she says, well, then go on another date with me. Because, look, I've, I've, I've got more experience dating, so I'll teach you how to have the best dates ever. And Asa's in shock over this for a second, and she's like, okay, teach me. And he gives her the peace sign, and it looks like we're going to have a nice, you know, cool freeze frame credits moment. All right, let's, let's wrap this up and start talking about kaiju, Nick. And Yoru appears next to Asa and says, I see this feeling must be love. Like, I don't feel any affection for this punk. So the only possibility for why I'm feeling it right now is because I share your brain. And Asa, of course, gets embarrassed over this. But before she can really react to this, Yoru is like, all right, now we can go forward with the plan. And she takes over Asa's body and smacks Denji on the forehead and says, Denji spinal cord sword. Now, look, I fully realize that there are a million different reasons that this is never going to work. Uh-huh. But man, that ending the chapter on that after we had that nice happy it's ending. Such a mood whiplash. The last chapter was so sweet and so cute and like really hopeful. And then this chapter ends, you're like, no! Like, actively shouting at the manga, like, you can't keep getting away with this! <laughs> Is Asa gonna die? Don't do that! Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, so I guess we'll see how that turns out. We'll see if Denji even, like, fucking realizes what happens after this definitely doesn't work. Uh, or how he reacts when it does work, but he's still alive because he's Denji and he'll yeah. be fine. We got to talk about Kaiju number eight, though. Let's talk about it, Nick. Kaiju! Uh, roar! Roar! Uh, all of the new Kaiju are squaring off with uh, different people. Uh, all of them have been given designations now. Uh, people are like, holy shit, there's so many Kaiju. Uh, kaiju number 15, the humanoid female looking Kaiju, is squaring off with Kikoru. Uh, oh, is it she- female, Nick, just because it clearly has like Kaiju boobs? <laughs> Kaijubes, if you will. Yeah. I hate that. I hate that word so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, Kikoro knows it's going to attack. She tells the officers with her, like, you gotta evade, uh, and she and she evades, but they don't they turn into limbs. This does not qualify for the severed limb award. Only limbs are left. That yeah, doesn't count. It's the anti bleach award. It's exactly. the, uh, the uh, no, Clorox is the one who makes bleach. <laughs> uh it's the fuck what's the thing that counteracts a cleaning product uh it's the tide award there we go (laughs) 
Okay. That feels like uh, I that was feels like to think, I was trying to think of it too. I was gonna say that feels like it's just adjacent, not really opposite. So hold on, I can hmm. find this out. What's the opposite of beach? <laughs> Keep going, Nick. I'll I'll, I'll bring it's back good. the knowledge as it happens. Yep. Uh, so yeah, Kaiju number fifteen takes on a f- that form that resembles Kikoru, except like color inverted, and starts mocking her for a bit, and then uh, freaking uh, her captain, whatever, uh, starts going like, "Oh, that's the plan. They're trying to separate and eliminate our main forces by taking on you know the strong officers and stuff." And so everyone's concerned about Kikoru because she's still young and a rookie, but uh, her captain says like, "Hey." You, I can't send you back up. You got to beat that thing by yourself. Uh, but Kikaru thinks to herself, like every time that I've been in a really dire situation, I've just been getting bailed out of trouble when I needed it most. Uh, at time after time after time, and we get some flashbacks through the course of the series how like someone else was with the one who took down the really powerful threat. But she says to her captain, that was my plan from the start. And she goes full release and zoom, power up and stuff. Uh, and everyone's like, all right, let's fucking do this. Uh, all, all, all the different officers who are squaring off against their individual opponents declare who they're going after. And we end on a two page spread of Kikoru squaring off with Kaiju number 15 as she takes a battle stance. It's very exciting for like three of these fights. Uh, four <laughs> yeah. of them. There's the one where I'm like, I don't even know who you two are. Don't I don't, don't like, I'm sure you have showed up, but I could not give less of a shit about that. <laughs> Uh, and I'm trying to think, which one are they fighting? Okay, they're not fighting the super interesting monster thing, like floating book thing or whatever. No, Mina's fighting that thing, and it's like, all right. I'm curious to see. She's fighting it from super far away or whatever, but yeah, we shall see. Uh, it's cool. You know, I feel like this was almost like a nothing chapter because it kind of just didn't accomplish anything for where we were last time, but you know, yeah. like, shown in square off kind of added energy. Yeah. Yeah, it was the ending of last chapter, but more of that. Now, Nick, if you're going to talk about a chapter where things happen, we had to talk. Well, we can't because we had to talk about two chapters where things happen. Oh, trigger. trigger! Uh, yeah. Hey, look, we're still in the away mission test. <laughs> now, this Nick, I know it's 26 and 27. <laughs> I know we said the same thing when we came into 2022 and we may have even said it in when we came. 2021 hey i know we're still in the selection exam but um but hey a little bit of stuff happened this this time and it feels like things are kind of accelerating um osama brings up what their big turnaround thing is going to be it's amazing because it's the most boring thing ever (laughs) but i love it uh, which is that, okay, at the, the, at the end of the universal assignments, there's a bunch of video clip, clip problems. And so someone's like, I'm going to use my phone's camera. And everyone starts to say, no, that won't work because it blocks like recording them and stuff. And someone's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to take a picture of the list of questions after the video clip plays. And then what we'll do is each of us will just take some of those questions, focus on them, and then together We'll watch the same video clips on everyone else's laptops over and over and over again. All of us watched on Suas and then Uis and then Okis and then Katoris. So then each of us will be focusing on four different questions and getting to watch for them four different times in order to answer them. And then we'll combine all those answers and we'll get like max points because we'll each have a very likely correct 20 correctly answered questions. And it's like, all right, sure. It's, you know, 
it's doing homework in the age of Google Drive. It, this is smart. Work smarter, not harder. Use the tools and ability to, to collaborate in order to, you know, do what you want to do. Very boring, but <laughs> very sensible. Yeah, it, like it makes absolute sense. It's good. It takes about like seven pages to get through. So much. Uh, because then he also has to justify like that they won't get penalized for doing it this way because he points out that one of the things that it's scoring is not just observation and memorization, it's creativity. So having a creative solution to, to having a best possible answer. But then they have several more pages where they're like, who should, which teams should we share the strategy with? And they decide to share it with Wakamura because Katori is being Sun Sun for her squad mates and is kind of worried about them being in last place. Uh, they, they, they share it with like a couple of different ones. They also share it with, with Hughes's squad. Uh, in response, they, uh, Wakamura squad sends over advice on how Katori can use her omni penchant skill within the tests and is like, basically, she's a blue mage. She gets access to more skills the more uh, opponents she squares off with in the simulations. And still, Katori's like, I don't know, this isn't great. But they're like, no, 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 no. Like, this expands all the stuff that we can potentially do, basically. Uh, and uh, then there's some stuff with Katora's squad uh, and other stuff. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm condensing a little bit. There's some stuff here that maybe will be interesting later, but right now is like we can skip over it. It's it's not that important. They get to the simulate simulated battles again. Uh, the first one they are on the verge of actually pushing the advantage and winning, but they can't get enough of a scoring difference in order to actually win. So instead, that they they lose. Then they go up against Kizoe's squad. And they basically get lured into a trap from patterns that have developed over the course of the last two times that they've gone against each other. They end up getting cluster bombed and can't overcome the difference and they lose. And so they realize like, oh, we just fell prey to their uh, one time use cheese strat and uh, it really worked out for them. Uh, we see Kitazoi's squad kind of reacting to this. Uh, there's some concern being exchanged amongst the team over how much time they spent developing the strategy versus working on all the you know written answers and stuff. And uh, Kikuchihara also ex says to uh, Sana like, "Hey, are you okay with you know Katori getting destroyed like that?" And she's like, "Eh, she'll be fine." And sure enough, Katori is actually looking over the stuff and is like, "Eh, Hana, good job." She's got a big smile on her face. It's potentially the happiest we've ever seen her. Honestly, she's just happy her squad mate did a good job. And uh, far from being bummed out, like we saw her in a previous chapter, she actually kind of like gets under, gets that after Osama's like, hey, come on, come on, Four Eyes, let's 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 go and win some matches. And everyone's still pumped up to keep on going. And that's the the two chapters for this one. Yeah, I mean, they're they're fun chapters. We get some cool little moments. There's a lot of like little tiny, but this is what you say for every fucking world trigger chapter where you're like, there's a lot of little tiny character moments. So you're either somebody who really loves these moments. And you're like, I'm going to read and dissect so many of these things. Or like, if you're looking for like the, the main things, like, I don't know, Samo, I think has a plan to help his team get a lot of points. Probably some other teams will also figure out something kind of equivalent since I imagine there are more than one person is going to say like, oh, hey, creativity is the suggestion here or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but like, yeah, Katori cares a lot about her teammates, so she's very happy to help one and very excited to see another one do well, even though it's against them. Yep. That's probably like my favorite little thing that happened this week was like, hey, if we're going to continue this whole 
rehabilitate Katori so that she's like an actual character that might be going with the this group on the mission, then this is the kind of stuff that we kind of need from her. Like, yes. Um, and uh, yeah, all the test taking stuff's like, well, it's test test taking stuff. So test taking stuff. That's what's fun. <laughs> Nick, that's- oh man. Let me tell you the thing I I miss most about being a teenager is studying <laughs> techniques. It's true. Uh, Nick, let's talk about Eden Zero. Nick, this is chapter 222, A Happy World. Now, I don't know if you heard the big news. Hero's going to be making another manga sometime soon. Yep. Monthly manga. It's going to be a short one, he says, with different characters. So maybe Urza and fucking Siegfried won't show up in this manga as well. <laughs> I hope they both. Or maybe they'll just be the only characters. Yeah, I hope they both show up in the first chapter. Um, so Shiki and Rebecca are on Grand Blue still, and they're like, "Yeah, this is crazy. Like we had our memories from the other world. It's very sweet." Uh, and Rebecca's like, "Yeah, you were my weapon on the other world." Happy's like, "Yeah, I was a robot then." And they're like, "Wait, you're not a robot in this world?" And Happy's like, "Nope, flesh and blood." And you're like, "Okay, cool." So the one thing that was different about this Happy is no longer yeah. there. It's just Happy from fucking Fairy Tale again. Yeah, um, at least it makes sense. It's like, okay, yeah, this is a different timeline. He didn't go into that accident that you know would have killed him if he weren't turned into a robot. Uh-huh. That makes just sense because sure. that's just how this universe works. Uh, sure. They've they've overwritten, I guess, themselves in this universe, and that's what's happening. They're like, yeah, there's there's no do overs. I don't have Cat Leaper, but it's okay. Everything will work itself out. He goes to talk to the Castellian. The Castellian's like, oh yes, what's going on? She's like, don't I don't do this whole shit. I get it. You're gonna try to stop me from going because Ether's running out. You don't want me. You're Actually, gonna- no. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but you're free to leave whatever the fuck you want uh ziggy has a device that recycles it and our planet is more ether than ever and they're like oh okay well cool and he's like yep and here's your ship and like it just immediately brings them over and he's like here's eden zero your dad your granddad said you needed one day so it's yours now it's fucking gigantic uh there you go and they're like cool and he has to say goodbye to everybody he like says goodbye to fucking michael three yeah. random people in the audience and then the robot king and you're like who the fuck are mithra john and annie why those three specifically doesn't matter i'm sure he probably mentioned them in that like first chapter montage yeah. when they talked about how he would fix everyone when yeah. he didn't actually fix them or some shit it's it, it actually really pissed me off this goodbye with michael because there's just this kind of like because michael says could I come with you? And she goes like, no, it's going to be dangerous. It's like, you've got fucking couch po on your ship. I was going to say, you have like four civilians on your fucking ship. What are you talking about? (laughs) Just this very brief thing of like, should I be like a supporting character? It's like, no, because like, I don't know what your gimmick is. You're just a smiling robot. You you don't have enough of a goofy personality or whatever. You're like, you have a fucking normal ass cat in your crew now. He's just the cat. He can't do anything else now. Bring this robot. Who cares? You have a giant ship. Just bring him. Have him be the toenail of Eden's or something. Like, yeah. Come on. He's like, I'm the smiley face of Eden. You're like, okay, sure. They get on the ship. They're like, okay, cool. This It's like we're right there where we left off. We have to get the crew back together. First, we're going to go find Wise. We're going to go to Norma. And they're like, hey, you know, what will happen? They're like, you know, this is going to be crazy, right? And like, oh, you don't even 
like no wise right because you didn't have that accident they're like no we met him for a different reason we have the same relationships last time i guess you could say that history is a way of repairing itself this world is different it's just like we're following the same basic history as before Jiggy's like i don't get it <laughs> but i'm gonna find our friends and then we're gonna go save mother so it's gonna be super cool and then Shiki sits down in the chair and it's like, oh, protocol, burp, burp, burp. And then who should show up, Nick? It's <gasps> Witch's feet. It's Witch's feet. And, uh, and they're attached to Witch, yeah. yes. And Witch is there. And she's like, I'm Witch, the Demon King's four shining stars. And everyone's crying because they're like, oh, I remember. And then we get a montage of various moments of Sister or Witch's interaction with them, including a scene where I guess Wise just wanted to rub suntan lotion on her back or something like that it's this weird thing look nick so at the end like i mean it's like the previous chapter where the montage of rebecca and shiki's memories included like shiki staring up her skirt yeah like so here's the thing nick at the end of lost like the the whole final episode was a bunch about a bunch of characters having to like in the sideways universe remember their their old lives essentially in the other universe and, like, all of it is, you know, framed with a montage of, like, their most iconic moments throughout the series. And I'm just thinking how funny it would be if, like, in the sh- in the middle of all that, each one of them had a shot where, like, somebody, like, knocks their shirt off or, like, they trip and fall on their butts in the air or something like that. You're just like, why is this shot here? Why is there always, like, a weird sexual thing <laughs> in, like, the most iconic moments of these characters? But they're like, yeah, Witch is here. This is great. Witch, I hereby order you to never die again. So, Nick, everything's going great. This universe, everything works out. Yeah, evidently. I love that they don't have to do anything. They could just Nothing. like, they're like, I showed up. Witch is still here. Uh, fucking Happy's a healthy robot. Like, everything's fucking cool, dude. Uh, so I guess we're going to finally meet Valkyrie and I don't know, maybe all of them will be married to the fucking dark shining star that they were reflected to earlier or whatever. Yeah. I don't mean to like, like, cause we have made observation of how undead unluck and Eden zero are doing this resetting the universe thing at the same time by sheer coincidence. It's not fair to compare them, but I do want to just point out how we are two chapters deep into being in the new universe there's been no conflict so far. In the very first chapter of Undead and Luck, we saw Fuko swipe up uh, Ano Un and explain the whole situation to them while also showing off how much of a cool badass she was. And then in the second chapter, she fucking, you know, fought a giant, basically. So, <laughs> like, just have something happen that's not just like, and we're all together. Remember when that person was sexual? I sure do. Yeah. Okay, we're together. Do something. It's very, very, very much like uh, a very nothing burger of a chapter where you're just like, what am I like? Am I just reading the series again? Like, I just don't understand. (laughs) Where's the beef? Yeah, very much. Akane Banashi story 45. Two steps. Uh, Akane has been given the story of the Oiron and the, the client, and she's not suited to the role of the Oiron. The story and Dilera are not suited for each other. Arara points that out to Akane and does not tell her what to do. She just says, you got to think it for yourself. And bear in mind, you've only got two more chances to work this out. Because it's explained that she's going to be practicing the story in front of Arara, and she's only being given three attempts to actually perform it for her. 
And if she can't do that in time, then she's not going to have any more guided guidance in telling the story. She's not going to be able to master it. And uh, Rokuro's big event thing is in a couple of months. And they're like, yep, you've got a Rosawa practice on June 18th at one o'clock. And I'm going to contact you later about scheduling our next session. And Akai is like, wait, what? And Rara's like, yeah, you've got to have the story ready. But that that shouldn't be a problem. Uh, you know, just just master the story in time. And that's just kind of it. Like, I guess that's the limit of her guy. And she's like, go figure it out. Perform it for me. If you know, if it doesn't work, I'll tell you it hasn't worked out. And that's it. She got to work it all out herself. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing that uh, happens that tries for people to try to give her insight, she's talking with uh, Kyoji and oh, I always forget this guy's name. Blonde hair, dude. Blonde haired uh, uh, Aniki guy. Nick. Uh, Hank, yeah. So, <laughs> no, I said Nick. Like, he's you. Oh, no, he's not me. Uh, he's not as cool hair. as you, sure, but... He's got more hair. So, um, that's a, so That's the, his worst feature. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll take that. There you go. So she has explained all this this whole situation to them off screen, and they're like, God, you're just always, like, rushing into situations, aren't you? Can't you just, like, chill out? <laughs> um, and... He also brings up like, how is it that you've trained with your master for only set for seven years and you only have five stories that you've mastered? And Akane explains like, well, I actually know a bunch of stories from memory because I would listen to a bunch of CDs of Rakugo from home or at the library and I would memorize them that way. But Kyoji's like, okay, but you can't do a public performance of a story that you've just learned on your own that way because you haven't had anyone give you feedback for it. And she says, yeah, I get that, but I, I want to, you know, make it to the next ranking really quickly and you've got to know more stories in order to do that but master was always training me just based on solid fundamentals rather than in learning new stories you know quality over quantity uh and it was really difficult for me to master a story in his eyes so it was very difficult to add more and you know that's kind of my fault just based on like the way i would go about things while learning under him too um and she also placed some pride on herself. Like, look, I don't just want to be just a Rakugoka. I want to be an Arakawa school Shinuchi. And I just want to, to meet the criteria to advance to that point as soon as I could. So she's been kind of single-minded in her focus. And now it's kind of showing some drawbacks to that. So uh, her, uh, her aunties give her a little bit of advice. Like, okay, in terms of like playing an Oiran, an Oiran is a lady of the night, skilled at seducing men with her charms. And Kyoji says, if you ask me if Akane fits that image, I'd have to say no. Aww. It's like, yeah. So Akane's like, I guess I can't do this. And Kyoji's like, well, no, not necessarily. Sometimes the little details can be the key to turning a weakness into a strength. Uh, yeah, but... like, like sometimes I forget a reference to something. So I, instead of like stumbling there, I just keep barreling through the fact that I there don't know it. And then there you, you just you cram, you just made a door. You just slammed. You know what? Everything fits in the square hole if you just force it down hard enough. Goes in the square hole. Yep. So uh but they bring up like, look, sometimes as well, you just gotta shelve a story because you're not able to master it. So just don't do it, basically. But hey you've got to keep on pushing along until you find out whether or not it will happen. And that's what you're good at. You know, just keep going forward. So we see 
several different things that Akai tries to do in order to master this. Uh, she meets up with her friend from school, Risa, whom we've seen maybe once before in the series, I think. And they go to a beauty school and she dresses up as an Oiron to kind of like get a feeling of like, oh, yeah, it's like this makes it kind of hard to move around and the head ornament weighs on my neck. So I think this will let me do it. But then the next time she performs for Aurora, she's like, yeah, you're 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 too stiff. I get you. It seems like you're trying to express the feel of the kimono and the head ornament, but you're going about it way too literally. So Akai's like, OK, well, then what should I do to understand the way I run better? And Urara says, hmm, good question. You're young. Why don't you just go on a date? And <laughs> at least she gives her a piece of advice this time, as opposed to just like, ah, figure it out. <laughs> well, I like it because it does. She's just like, she hears it's like, whatever, because they're like, many more sessions happened. <laughs> just, just, it, just she ignores it. She doesn't take the advice at that, that session. So she goes about studying. She tries to study, you know, Oiron stuff. And she's like, oh, yeah, I get it now. This, 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 I'm studying brothel culture and stuff. And so this will get, help me get it. And after all that, she performs again. It's June now. And Urara says, yeah, you, you, you feel like just an armchair theorist. You don't have any practical sense of what this is supposed to feel like. And now you've only got five days until the recital session. I mean, are you going to be able to do this? Do you have time? So Akane is like, well, then what can I do? And she thinks about all the advice that she's gotten from all of her mentors and senpais and stuff. And she decides to do something different. We see Jumbo, who's uh, just in some casual clothes, you know, shorts and t-shirt. He looks like he could be going to like gym class, basically. Yeah. And he's like, huh, it's weird that Akane invited me out here to eat. But... Uh, um. Akane meets up with him and she's kind of acting cuter than before. She starts to call him Jumbo and then she goes, uh, hi, Ozaki. Long time, huh? I've been so excited to see you. Uh -huh. And he's like, what the fuck are you? What's going on? And she's like, yeah, let's go eat some food. And Akane's like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. But <laughs> Uraro seemed to be insinuating that I need experience to act like an Oiron. Which that means going on a date. Like, I can't go out with one of the other apprentices. I can't go out with fucking Kareshi. I can't go out with that weird uh, I, other... I love her reason. She's like, I can't go out with the apprentices. They're like family. I can't go out with him because he would never do it. He That's would never it. do it. And then I won't go out with the other guy because he absolutely will do it. And no, fuck yes. that. No, no, not... Which means, Jimbo, it's got to be you. Yeah. Okay, And uh, so Jimbo's like, what is with this vibe she's giving off? I mean, like, she's always had that kind of, like, headstrong approach to everything. And that part of her hasn't changed. In fact, it's getting even worse. So, uh-oh, Akane and Jimbo are going on a fake date. And Jumbo doesn't seem to even realize that it's a date. So... <laughs> Oh, it's kind of cute and adorable in its own way. Like I, I'm like, oh, look at these little, look at young love. And then you're like, she's she's just trying to find out, and she's like, I don't know, what would an Oiron feel like? I'm gonna go on a date with this dude and figure it out. Yeah, it's uh, I like seeing you know a guy like really going after drawing from all of her resources, all the people she knows, testing every one of her different purchases things, realizing it's not gonna work. I gotta live this. Guess I gotta go on a date with a guy. Fuck. <laughs> That's it. All right. Let's blue, blue, blue box time. Blue, 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 blue box. It's chapter 84. How that made her feel. 
Uh, uh, so Chinatsu and uh, Taiki have run into Chinatsu's old friend uh, who thinks that they're on a date and that Chinatsu has given up a basketball. Chinatsu's me like, I'm giving up. Uh, so she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess you, you, you always could do it all. And now you're living the good life off the court, too. Huh. And uh, then her date kind of like smacks her in the back of the head. It's like, you, will you stop being an asshole to your friend? Um, and uh, so she's just like, yeah, I think that she might just be agitated because we're, you know, because the elevation and stuff. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go now. But um, Taiki realizes that the girl is glaring at him. And uh, Shinatsu apologizes, like, yeah, that was my old teammate. Uh, she went to AMA until junior high, but she went to another school starting in high school. And Taiki's like, yeah, I, I recognize her because uh, he had, would watch Shinatsu play basketball. So he recognized her from that. And he admits, like, yeah, she actually stood out more than Shinatsu Senpai did. Uh, but I'd heard that she quit. So don't really know anything about her personally. Uh, now it's time for the two of them to part ways and, um, well, go back to the same house. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, Taiki thinks for a second and says, hey, you know, about what she said, you can do it. If anyone can do it, you can. You can dominate the basketball world. And uh, it, seems to, it seems to reach her in some way. Yeah. Uh, the two of them ride the train back together. Uh, there's a cute little moment because they're both sitting down and they spot a pregnant woman uh, boarding the train. So they each go to give up their seat at the same time, look at each other because they realize that they've both done it and they just kind of laugh at each other. Yeah, it's very, cute. very silly. Uh, then it's the next day during practice. Uh, people are uh, running around basketball practice. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Kyo, Kyo, Kyo is... Uh, Helping Taiki build up stamina. They're doing jump rope stuff. And they're like, hey, so uh, there's that Winter Cup happening on Christmas. And I heard the team's going to eat together after practice. Last year, we got together with our whole class. But this year, and uh, their captain approaches and says, this year we have practice. Christmas Eve is no reason not to practice. It's so totally not about me wishing I wasn't alone or hating people who have girlfriends. <laughs> He's fun. And uh, he's, he specifically calls out Haru like, aren't you glad? And Haru's like, I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> but Aomi's like, yeah, but my sister's upset that he's not going to be on a date with her. Um, Hina has overheard this, uh, and she feels kind of guilty about overhearing it and thinking to herself, like, oh, so Taiki's not going to be with Jinatsu on Christmas. But I really, like, I shouldn't be thinking this way. I shouldn't be still trying to cling on to hope. Uh, her friend says, hey, you don't necessarily have to come to practice on Christmas. So what are you going to do? But she says that she'll join in. Okay. Uh, afterwards, in the training room, Haru is getting strong. He's lifting weights. Taiki joins him and it's like, hey, I wanted to ask you about something. And he hesitates for a second before he's like, hey, uh, it's about the Yumeka, the, the girl who used to be on the basketball team. And uh Haru gets a very pissed off look on his face it's like Ugh! very disgusted and uh he's like yeah i haven't heard her name in a long time uh and taiki's like yeah i ran to her the other day and immediately Haru's like oh was chi there too how how, how did you know oh who knows because Haru, you know 
has a sense of restraint and smoothness and he's like yeah look i know you'll freak out over this so i won't press the issue okay so um so tyke is like yeah i want to know how why you make a quit and haru admits i don't really know the details she's you know not the type who would confide in others but i don't think there's any way she would start to hate basketball and i think that she was the most shocked person when she announced that she was going to quit because they had known each other since they were seven. They were always playing together. You know how she always comes to practice really early in the morning. She told me that she had to do it in order to ever catch up with Yumika. Uh, and of course, that's a big reason that Taiki noticed Chinatsu and they start to know each other is because they would both show up to the to the gym early. Yeah. So he's like, okay, well, if that's the case, then why the hell has all this happened? Why has her friend and teammate and this person she admired, why did she ask Chinatsu if she'd quit basketball? And I wonder how that made Chinatsu feel. And now Taiki's got a toothache. This is seemingly random. This is, has no connection to anything that's been so happening. so fucking, like, so contrived to get us like it's beautiful in its artistry because you're just like ah i suddenly have a toothache better go to the dentist i wonder who's there at the dentist oh my gosh is it yumeka it's yumeka and she's got her hair braided and she's got glasses on she looks so she looks you know plain quote unquote uh so what's going on here he's 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 run they've run into each other again yeah this is a fine chapter i really don't have too much to say on it like yeah i as i kind of enjoy how extremely contrived and silly the ending is so i guess we'll see where we go from there oh ginka and luna no 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 No. what's happening what's happening you know what's here you know what is here oh is it time to to do a thing that involves us morging (gasps) yes i don't know why i did like a katy perry dick shower (laughs) (laughs) cypher academy everybody it's morgan time chapter one uh what am i talking about i almost said 100 something oh we can dream we can dream uh i'm sure if you rearrange the numbers into whatever it spells out that maybe it'll spell 100 yep. these days chapter seven um the one who solves the last the one who solves last solves best Ugh. i don't think that's correct Last time, it turns out that there are more people who've got code solving glasses. What the devil? Uh, turns out they're not as good as the uh, pair that Iroha has. Uh, they just let her sort out pieces by color. Uh, so, it, but it's going to help her to do stuff. Uh, but Iroha points out, like, "Hey, freaking, freaking, Obero's got like super solvy stuff glasses." And Toshisai says, "You know, Irozaka, <laughs> could you just like." to you as if i didn't know about that i fucking love that moment she's like could you not drop this gigantic piece of information about confirming all of my suspicions from before in the middle of this very stressful she's Uh, like could you not fucking drop this knowledge on me you piece of shit (laughs) so <laughs> I love it. She's so calm and collected, but you're like, God, like, like she has her arms crossed. You know that one hand's just like 
crushing her fucking arch. It's like, this dumb motherfucker. I hate him so much. Toshisai, between this and her random interjection of ass-based slang, is quickly becoming one of my new favorite characters. I love her. She's she's just so pissed constantly. Uh, so yeah, a bunch of people have similar types of things. And so she's like, what, did you think that you were special or something like that? Did you think that you're the only one that that flirt has her eyes set on? And she uh, has a little bit of a, of a flashback to when, yeah, uh, she got given kind of the same, uh, buttering up, uh, that Iroha got, uh, like, oh, you're the only one I'm sure who understands my, my, the value of my inventions and stuff. So she's been misled and now she's pissed off at her. So there yeah makes sense uh but uh you like hey what's wrong you seems like you're thinking about the same thing and is like oh my god oh my god shut up <laughs> <laughs> uh so we go back over the point that they have the three codes to go over as they're in the middle of the cassette quartet so he ties his hair back in order to get serious and he starts looking over stuff like, oh, hey, there's a bit here that looks like it's Japanese vowel sounds. And, and this part looks like it's part of the slabbery table. Uh, but Tochisai keeps on looking over stuff. And she's also looking at other people and she th- uh, at her teammates, rather. And she thinks they seem to be thinking the same thing, but not as fast as me. So she talks to Kasuri and starts to bring up something. But Iroha goes, guys, look, if you just block out bunches of the text, then it, it spells out this stuff. And there's a hint texting. It's, it, it says just filled in the gaps. Huh? It's like, yeah, it's a dummy answer. Uh, it's, a, it's a dummy answer that says, you idiot, this isn't the right answer. I love it because we just had to get her response, which is like, do you think that's the right answer? Huh, champ? No. Do you think you no. got it? No. <laughs> Do you think we need to maybe take this one back to the drawing board of little time? <laughs> but she can't be that animated. She just has to be like, God damn I it. Think that's the right answer. <laughs> do you think do you think the answer to the quiz is you're a dumb idiot? No, I don't think that's the answer to it. <laughs> so she's like, no, look, it's okay. See, look. If we take your third sheet, we actually have an advantage at this point because you could solve this with two sheets, but with three, it becomes more apparent. A pattern emerges because parts of the tables overlap. The same symbol is in several points on the board, and you can decode the text that emerges from there. Uh, and the symbols that are, come out are like toze, tsu, ro, ta, o, su. And so they start trying to figure out, like, what does this mean, huh? Uh, is like kind of like also assessing Toshi's eye in her head. Like, I, I actually kind of trace faster than she does, but she's still quite good at it. The teacher is, is, is going over stuff. Uh, Toshi said, looks over stuff and she's like, hmm, topple discontinuity theory, which is a term I'm very familiar with and totally know the definition of. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> she looks to Iroha and says, well, what do you think? And he's like, I, I don't know. It looks like that, but it doesn't quite seem right because like the dummy answer was actually a neater fit. Uh, and so Toshisai is like, okay, what do you think, Kasuri? And Kasuri is like, uh, uh, well, uh, she starts to give an input while recognizing she's actually like cons- giving us each a chance to shine while consulting with us. Guy in the conversation. So they bring up like, it's got to be like some sort of an anagram. You rearrange the symbols into the actual answer. 
uh, and they and they realize like, wait, if you rearrange it, it spells out Rosetta Stone, like the famous Rosetta Stone that was a key to deciphering ancient languages. Uh, Iroha, you know, is in wonder over this, but he's like, wait, I don't think this is right either. And so they're like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I don't know. Rosetta Stone, I think, is is the right answer, but only for three puzzles mixing together. So I guess for a Cassatec Quartet, the right answer would be more different still. And Toshisai's like, okay, you're kind of like just, you know, droning on. So if you've got an idea, just like go for it and spit it out. So Iroha looks around and he looks at Omomuro and he looks at Yugata and he's like, no, no, no. Hey, Oboro and, and Umi Tsubabe, can, uh, can, uh, can I get your help? And they're like, oh, we fucking hate you. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> um, and uh, at first, like, uh, Umi Tsubabe tries to be like, hey, we're trying to work out the code. Can you butt out for a second? And he's like, no, 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 I'll bring my desk over. Uh, yeah, because, uh, you know, can I borrow, like, a, if you guys are friends of Kagoe's and we were all connected and stuff. Also, can you give me a charger? Because my glasses are out of battery. <laughs> fucking love this fucking little fucking dumb gremlin like they think he's so optimistic he's like hey can you work together also i forgot my charger and like they're not being inconsiderate they're just really misreading every relationship they have. they're like well we're friends we both have glass we both bought glasses from the same strange lady here <laughs> And the bro's like, "Fuck you, kid! Why are you? What are you trying to do? Like trying to trying to be the classly and private? You want an alliance? Just trying to fucking say so. What do you fucking think you could actually achieve?" And Iroha says, "Like, well, if I become the classly and private, I'll end all wars in the world using my morgues. I will end all the wars." Um, and. uh It'll be Oboro's simple. In- I'll start by using my morgues <laughs> to create a television show about my morgue-related characters. That'll be the first step towards winning over the public. And then I'll re-release the movie that previously failed. Yeah. <laughs> I'll create an MMO based on my popular morgue <laughs> characters that'll have the world enthralled so no one will bother going to war. They'll be too busy playing. And you can yeah. use that game to earn more morgues. <laughs> uh... Iroha is briefly, you know, horrified with himself because he's like, oh, my God, I just said something that I can never possibly do. But Oboro just kind of like turns away and lets him go. And Toshisai says to Iroha, look, it doesn't matter if they're for you or against you. At Cypher Academy, no one laughs at other people's strategic dreams. That's actually like a which is, pretty cute, cool and cute moment. Like, oh, it's actually kind of cool. And it's the kind of thing is like, oh, this is what is great about Shonen Maga. Stupid stuff is cool now. Like, yeah. So it's refreshing to not have like everyone be like, "Look at the loser!" Ha! Everyone's just like, yeah. "Look, I may not." You go for it, kid. So Obero now actually decides to hear out Iroha, who says, "Okay, look, the code name for the test is Cassetet Quartet. We got to the point where we're at right now because we stacked our three three, three sheets together to make three layers. A normal two person cell would have two sheets and two layers." And that doesn't feel right to me. And so they started to bring up like, oh, yeah, well, but if you stack codes on top of each other, that makes things different, right? And Iroha says, if you put two teams, two puzzles together with another team's two puzzles, 
then you've got a true quartet. And so he puts an additional ta- stack on top of what they've got. And now there are only four letters that are spelled out together. Tato o su. And so like, okay, well, is this an anagram? What's it an anagram for? Is it of like tortoise or whatever? And it's like, no, it doesn't quite work. Uh, so then Toshisai, uh, rather, turns to Toshisai and says, hey, the example question we were given at the beginning, why were we made to read the ambigram backward? And she says, well, it's because we were changing question to answer. The question of where to stop solving a code is a deep one, which is such a great line. <laughs> it's also- the question of where to stop solving a code is a deep one. <laughs> um, so she says, so what can you see the goal? And your says, actually the goal's further away because totasu read backward is sutato start. This puzzle is still elementary for the selection of class leading private. And at that moment, the teacher puts down on the board start in big letters and she says well done elegant fledglings as you have deduced the class lean private will be selected in three sessions over the next three weeks for those of you unfortunately who did not produce results wait patiently for the opportunity to redouble your attack and they're like shit this is only the start of a four-part thing uh but now era's abilities have kind of been recognized by other people too so there's a big thing that happens here and uh, also there's an additional thing because umi subame because i've got a message for you from kagoe uh which i was not going to give you but i'm kind of impressed with you now so here you go okay, <laughs> there you go uh this is again kind of like an actually solid chapter of cypher academy that also just has some legitimately very funny moments of people just having to react to this this poor kid so um you know a good time Quinn, have we accidentally stumbled into a fun series? <laughs> I think we I think we might have Nick. Hey, you know what? It's better than Earth Child, right? A billion percent. All right. Huh. Now Kick and Luna, chapter 17. The Guildmaster! Uh Guildmaster shows up after they have successively uh, fended off Shahrazad. Uh the Guildmaster is accompanied by a dude with a sword. Uh, who gets upset at anyone who doesn't properly respect the Guildmaster. The Guildmaster has some history with Ginka, who starts, you know, calling her a hag and stuff, and she gets upset with him. And so she dumps out his backpack and pulls out all of his booze, which I guess he can enjoy as a snowman who has no taste buds, or as far as we can tell, a mouth that can open. Uh, they, they kind of introduce themselves to Ginka and Luna's group. Uh, they were like, oh, yeah, thanks to you helping us, we were able to actually apprehend uh, Hera. And they kind of bring up the point of like, wait, so Hera's part of this academy, this guild, like, why are you like fighting each other? And that gets explained in this chapter. There's a lot of uncomfortable closeness that happens with the guildmaster keeps on like cupping uh, Luna's face and stuff. Uh, And uh, there is kind of, although there is a kind of a key moment later on where she just runs away from her and hides behind a a tree in order to continue the conversation. we're basically given like the next leg of this big quest, which is, yeah. So there's like people who are associated with the guild that we've lost control of and need to be subdued and the nation's fallen into ruin. And here's a helpful guide thing that will show you how much of Ginka's body is being restored. Here's a leg that's in the book. When all the body parts are depicted, your body should be able to be restored. But the fragments you require are all held by elite magicians. Dodon. Uh, and the guildmaster says, Hey, could you, you know, help me out and take all this? And Ginka's like, I'm not going to clean up your mess. I just want to get my body back. But yeah, it'll be a problem if I 
you know, let an endless zombie attack happen, then that'd be bad. So I'm gonna, yeah, sure. I guess I, I'll, I'll try. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll help you if it's in the line of my quest and stuff. Um, and uh, the guildmaster also war- says to Luna, like, hey, you know, you don't need to help him. I could teach you and stuff. You could stay here, giving her like an unwelcome hug. So Luna's like, look, whether the path is dangerous or safe, death always catches up in the end. So I'll take the path that seems more fun, even if it's more dangerous. She's cool. Uh, so they're off to their next generation, to the next basically challenge. We're told about a couple of different locations they're on the way. Her swordsman guard is going to come with them, uh, but he's only respectful towards Ginka because he hates magicians. The end. And that's fair. Uh Nick, 17 chapters in, we decided to get started. Hell yeah. Uh, It seems that way, doesn't it? It's like, hey, here's a goal. Here's a process. Here's a side character who has presumably some kind of personality to them. No offense to Beretta and Amemone. Uh, but um, they also don't show up in this chapter, so that kind of goes. They don't. That kind, I mean, I guess I guess Beretta is there in the background of a shot or two. So there's there's that. Uh, it just it feels like we are introduced to like a cool tertiary character with a different sort of personality and like a cool quest. And like I'm excited. Like all right, let's go to this farmland with like a hidden underside. Like I'm I'm I am intrigued now. Yeah. Quinn, I've got a puzzle for you. Oh, for me. Okay. Is, I, is, I it, is, is it Saudi up. Arabia? <laughs> I I almost didn't come up with one because I was too busy coming up with the lyrics to Earth Child is Grime. I was going to I was going to wonder how long you spent coming up with the lyrics. Not long. Okay. Just a few minutes, honestly. Oh, impressed. Uh, it was only one. It was only one verse. So. All right. Here's the here's the puzzle. None can persist through the partially plumed patron. Once performed, the match reaches its peroration. Give that to me one more time. None can persist through the partially plumed patron. Once performed, the match reaches its peroration. I've never heard the word peroration before. It was a new new one for me, too. I will admit it means the end. It means conclusion. Okay. Partially. Is it Baron Corbin? You're on the right track in in terms of uh, what I'm going for, but it is not Baron Corbin. Okay. It's who else is significantly balding? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. Not, not that. That. Um. This is about a. This is. The clue is a finishing move that finishes a match reliably. Okay. Um, is it Kenny Omega? It is Kenny okay. Omega. Okay. The is partially it... plumed patron is a one-winged angel. Ah, I like that. That's a good one. Nick, I have a wrestler for you. And if you can guess them in a minute. <sighs> right now, it's just for funsies. We're going to find we're gonna find like a, a another stake to put on this. Um, yeah. But, Possibly yeah. a steak. <laughs> yeah, maybe a steak bet. I don't know. Uh, so, Nick, you got one minute on the clock. Are you ready? Yes. Go. All right. Are they an active wrestler? Yes. Are they in AEW? Yes. All right. Uh, have they held championship in AEW? Yes. Is that an ROH championship? No. No, it is not. Okay. Uh, is it a singles championship? Yes. 
Okay, is it a man? Yes. Okay. Is it the TNT Championship? No. Ooh, World Championship? No. <sighs> All Atlantic Championship? No. What's the last one? Fuck. <laughs> I've forgotten. <laughs> um Oh no. I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. I have no idea where to go. Uh, is this a member of the elite? No. Uh, is it a member of one of Chris Jericho's goon gangs? One of the five he's had? No, they have not been affiliated with Chris Jericho. Okay. Uh, singles championship. Is that a hard way? Okay. Hmm. All right. Wow. We're going to need a guess. I feel like I have just hit a brick wall on this one. Um... Okay, I don't know. Is it fucking Wheeler Yuta? I don't know. It is not Wheeler Yuta. There was one championship you forgot. The ever it is. I the, couldn't remember the it. ever infamous FTW championship. Oh, okay. which I guess is considered a canon championship. It's almost it's never. Around. I was gonna say it's almost never defended. I think what Hook has it now, or did someone else take he it? He does. Okay, he does. Uh, but it was not Hook. I was uh, talking about the effervescent Ricky Starks. I love Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks so fucking much. rules. He's great. Um, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll take so that. So that counts. The audience says you have to read uh, Earth Child again. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> That's, nope that not was, I didn't tell you. The secret bet was already Not made. even if I go 0-52 this year will that happen. Oh, man. Can you imagine a year-long version of it? The suspense would be so frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Or you're just uh, wildly ahead or behind in like fucking <laughs> June. All right. PP, PP, PP. Chapter 64. I don't know why, but I remember a little bit. Okay. Uh, look, I have read this chapter. I cannot tell you what happens. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> trippy. I mean, it's uh, a PP, PP, PP. Apollo 3. Really went cracked on this one. Uh, from what I understand, it is essentially a chapter told through the vantage points, partially of Gakuan, and then partially. partially through the mom. Yes. And it's about their relationship, kind of. And there's like this pendant that's in focus. And Sora Chika asks about like a fantasy that his mother had. And he's doesn't really understand the stuff that she was saying to him, but, and also there's like the, uh, the inner lucky that happens and Gakwan just like points him and points at the pendant searching his guy is like, Hey, that's yours now. Um, and then the pendant gets taken to his dead wife's grave and all the fantasies are following him around. Uh, and then he's just at her grave, and also uh, someone else is there. Hmm. Is well, that Lucky? Looks like Lucky. It's a weird one. I don't know how to Very process weird. it. Uh, it's it's artistic, but also kind of silly. Uh, but it seems like it's still kind of good. I'm, I'm sure I'll think about it again. At some point when I reread the series, I'll probably be like, oh, what a cool chapter that is. Um, 
but as far as recapping it goes, I'm just like, I don't know, he walks around <laughs> and like, you know, it's introspective. You remember some stuff. It's introspective. You see a little glimpses of the relationship. There's no dialogue for us to really comment on or anything like that. It's just, I don't know, it's a good chapter to enjoy by yourself, I feel like. You know? Yeah. Uh Nick, let's talk about Mashal Magic and Muscles Chapter 139. Holy shit, it's already 10 o'clock, so we have to go. Uh, hey, Doom is now fucking buff Sephiroth, and uh, he's, he's super strong. He's like, you, we've become super powerful, Mash. You must feel it. the desire to fight even stronger opponents. Mash's like, no, nah, not really. <laughs> uh, I'm going to keep fighting stronger people. I don't find it exciting at all. Uh, I just want to go home. Yeah. Uh, Doom reveals that he has mirror magic, illusion magic, basically. Uh, and that's that's what he starts using now at perfect percent. A whole bunch of himself kind of like copies come out. Mash has a great line. He's like, some people can't help but double down when they're wrong. Um, yeah. All these Very people. Fun. Yeah. All these people are coming at Mash. It's difficult. Like, how is he going to dodge all of these? Uh, a whole bunch start coming at him. So he slams like his hands into the ground and he lifts it like a giant pile of the earth up. <laughs> and he literally weighs all of them with his arms. And he's like, this one's the heaviest. It's the real one and punches him. And then Doom's like, all right, fine. Here's my second. It's a kaleidoscope of essentially like a whole shit ton of us. And Mash is like, all right, I'm just going to punch a whole bunch of them. But he finishes and Doom is behind him, and he's like, taking a break? I warned you, you're lacking in every way. And he finishes the chapter by slashing. Yep. So uh, Doom's getting a little moment to look super strong. I'm pretty sure the other shoe's going to drop fairly soon, yep. uh, you would guess. Uh, also, there is a moment where uh, Mash says, my muscles don't know the meaning of impossible, which is very silly. Yes. Uh, elusive Samurai! Uh, it's chapter 93, debate 1335, the good guy and bad guy exchange barbed words at each other. Uh, and, uh, you know, Tadayoshi has, you know, taken the advantage over Tokiyuki. Tokiyuki's fighting back by bringing up how, hey, you freaking killed my brother. You've done a lot of unjust murder in your attempts to take over the government and stuff. Tadayoshi says, hey, your people ruled improperly you insisted on fighting back when we tried to change things it was actually you who killed the people of kamakura uh and it looks like tadayoshi's really going to take things over because tokiki's very well prepared and stuff and he's like this isn't actually what you talking about saying all these things you're speaking unnaturally for someone who's 10 years old you've just been spoon-fed what to say by yuri shige you're just a puppet of unscrupulous adults. What's so righteous about that? Pretty killer moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Tokyuki starts to like choke basically under the pressure of this. And Tadayoshi has a pretty badass line where he says, did I speak too harshly to a child? <laughs> so cold. Um, and uh, he says, look, just surrender. You can go home. Say your prayers to your ancestors, and then your struggle will end. I don't wish to see you suffer under this burden any longer. But Tokiyuki regains himself, and he says, You've settled my spirit. I can't win an argument, but even a child can see your pity is fake. And uh, Yoroshige brings up like, Hey, the Hojo preserved peace for 150 years, and there was room for improvement. And it's true, I did prepare him for debate, but through that, 
he's learned what poor government actually is. And Tokiki brings up like, look, your corrupt rule is going to be far worse than the Hojo's because the Ashikaga plan to usurp the Mikado. You've got this heartless sense of justice. That means you're going to keep on trying to usurp power. You're going to go after the Mikado. You're going to keep on attacking people and slaughtering people and killing innocent people for the sake of this vision of justice of yours. And he gets up out of his saddle so he can stand up on his horse and just belt out at him. You're fucking disgusting, basically. And he says, like, look, even if you seize power, I would never obey you. Warriors everywhere would resist you and hurry to break away. And then there'd just be more fighting than ever. This isn't just ruling. This is horrible governing. And all of his troops are really ramped up. And they're like, yeah, you're right. Like, it doesn't matter how logical you are, how right you are. Everyone's going to be disgusted by the way that they're behaving in order to achieve this vision. And we're going to fucking fight against them. And Tadeusz is like, yeah, I can't reason this. Shit. God damn it, this kid's emotions are too strong. And uh, he says, all right, so you will you not yield? And Tokiki says, I'm through debating. Now we fight. So. Yep. Cool, cool chapter. Yeah, like a little conclusion to the debate. Uh, we'll talk about Black Clover here. Chapter 347, sorry, page 347, Truth in the Lie. Truth in the Lie. Yeah, so it looks like they're doing pretty well. The Ryuzen 7 have managed to defeat the uh, five-headed dragon thing. Uh, uh, but doesn't look like it actually did did exactly what they thought because uh, sister is not done. Uh, the ice guy uses ice magic, shatters it. Uh, basically, like half the group are like kind of impaled. The other half are a little bit rough and tumbling going on there. Uh, the one that's still up is sort of like the blood knight, and she runs. Uh, she's gonna go for the the beast magic guy, and then he summons the boogeyman, which is like a cute little frog, but uh, it's actually just whatever, it turns into whatever people's fears are. So, for her, it's frogs. She's scared of frogs. But for Chica, it's her dad. And we go into the flashback where she's remembering like her dad being like, hey, I have a drug, use it, and forcing it down her mouth. And then, from her vantage point, seeing like all the blood spatter and the the carnage of like her clan being slaughtered and everything like that, and then she's like, "Wait a minute, what was that? What was that memory? Am I the one that killed everybody? That that can't be true. Like if I did that, then all this time I've been spending, hey Yami, what were they for?" The rest of the Ryu's and Seven get up. They're not quite done yet. They're like, "Don't worry, Master Luscious will give you the ha- true happiness and peace later on." But the five-headed dragon is back. It looks like things are pretty bad. Chica is completely stunned. Her, you know, dad clone has lifted up its sword to strike down at her, and she's like, "No, I've grown. I've grown stronger. I thought I had at least, but is this what I really am? Am I really this weak?" And she thinks back to that time her big brother stepped in to protect her from her dad, and this time the same shot. Someone else has stepped in to protect her, and it's Asta who says, what do you think you're doing to my benefactor? Yeah. Some people, I think, point out, like, it's kind of frustrating that we're just back to the point of Asta coming in and saving the day. Um, But, I mean, I think that we're at a point now where it's like, look, we've got so many characters involved in this finale. It's kind of to be expected that we do wrap up certain things kind of more quickly than maybe would be if we were not had the final stretch of this of this series, then maybe we would take more time on certain things. Ichika was introduced in chapter 300 plus, so she's not going to get a long time to have her plot line play out. I do really like the shot of her in the flashback where she sees her reflection in her sword. It's a cool. Yeah. It's a cool thing. 
And uh, yeah, it, maybe it'll be nice to see Ass to, you know, kick butt and show off his new techniques this time. We'll see. Yeah, I'm fine with the Chica being like, I need help right here because I do think it's kind of like a identity shattering thing to be like, yeah. wait, I was the one who killed everybody. Like, I could see why she's so despaired and hopeless and and wants somebody to protect her. And I do love the mirror image of Asta being, you know, on the on the right it's Yuna or Yami, on the left it's Asta. It's a very it's a very nice symmetry that I I, I appreciate. Yeah. It also feel I also do like that you know Asta's bringing up like, hey, this person has helped me out, and so I'm going to and so I'm going to help them out. Yeah, they feel more like equals than uh, it, they could in this kind of situation. Yeah. Let's conclude on One Piece chapter 1071. The hero deploys. Oh, Nick, it's super easy to wrap up One Piece super quickly, right? (laughs) So (laughs) Kuma is flying through the air. Uh, He lands amongst people and then gets up and starts moving. And people are like, oh, shit, because he's a big, scary dude. He's he's flying straight through the red line, which is uh, wild to think about. Uh, so people are like calling for the Marines and stuff. And they're like, holy shit, this guy's dangerous. He's a slave of the celestial dragons and he doesn't have a human will of his own. And we don't know his current programming directive. So who knows what the hell he's up to? Uh, then we cut to the Island egghead. And, uh, so the, the CP zero are trying to capture literally you know, every point that, uh, Vegapunk could use to escape the Island. Uh, and so they're like, look, let's destroy the ships. Let's take over everything. We've got control of the Seraphim now, so we can just, so maybe we could just like drag him out of there. But of course, they've got the Frontier Dome that's holding them off, which Kaku has demonstrated is a bit going to be a bit hard to overcome. Um, so, uh, then they're like, hey, look, we've been told not to engage with the emperors. So what do we do? And Luchi's like, I don't use straw as an emperor. <laughs> Hey, my man, Buggy's an emperor. So. Yeah, he's like, now Buggy, that's a man I would I never mess with. <laughs> that's a man I can have a beer with. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, when you think about all the emperors, you'd like to have a beer. I mean, when you do think about all the emperors, he is probably number one. Like him and Shanks are maybe the only, yeah. yeah. Him and, and Shanks, maybe. And, and Luffy's like, I don't drink beer. Yeah, you, Luffy's <laughs> just going to steal your shit. You're like, nah, dog. <laughs> Uh, so the Vegapunks are gearing up to try and escape slash fight their way out. Uh, and, uh, they're like, well, what do we do? There's a disagreement among them because of course, you know, they're different personalities embodied in these different forms. Um, they're kind of, you know, just having a little scuffle with each other. Vegapunk prime is worried about Sentomaru, uh, and, uh, apologizes to his memory. I don't know. Uh, and, uh, so he's like, okay, well, we got it. We got to help get, we got to help out here. Uh, and so he gets on, uh, the, uh, Denden Mushi and says, you heard it. I requesar our help out of this. And there's a response that says, I've been waiting for your order. Ooh. Who is that? I bet it's Jen. He's gotta be so, somewhere. It's gotta be somewhere. <laughs> he's got his tonfas ready. Yeah. Oh, ready he's so cool. I bet he's swinging them right now. So uh, they're, uh, you know, discussing what they're going to do. And then he, uh, Vegapunk turns to the straw hats and says, hey, can I can I get a get a spot on your ship? Well, for me and all the other Vegapunks, too. 
Um, and Usopp's like, um, and Nami's like, ew, no. And Sanji's like, is Lilith included? He's like, calm down. I don't think he's seen York. He's going to lose his mind. A giant woman. <laughs> She's like, all I do is poop. He's like, perfect. <laughs> I think that I think he's seen her because, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe Vic Punk walks off somewhere before meeting with them. I don't know. Uh, meanwhile, Bonnie is with Chopper and Luffy. She's running around. She still wants to get Vegapunk. No longer in revenge for her father, but because he quote unquote sicked bugs on her. No, he didn't. You just tell the lightsaber they were shot. <laughs> um, and Luffy's like, "Hey, I promised the old man I'd help him escape, so don't beat him up." <laughs> That's the only problem with this. Uh, the Frontier Dome gets deactivated at that point. So everyone's like, whoa, what's happening? Is someone in the control room? But, you know, they don't see anyone on the monitor. However, Lucci's group doesn't seem to know what's going on either. So they're suspicious that maybe this is a trap because it seems quite convenient if they're having technical issues at this moment in a way that would be beneficial towards them. Uh, but they're like, oh, but is that it? I mean, like, have is this really, like, are we going to be able to get after Vegapunk? Maybe it's the Straw Hat Pirate's ship. Uh, but uh, they don't see the ship, so they're like, okay, let's destroy that thing. Uh, they attack the Thousand Sunny, uh, and Zoro wakes up from his nap. <laughs> I wish this moment got a little more space, because this is legitimately an awesome moment of like Zoro blocking. He's like, who dares disturb my nap? And just fucking Kaku being like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> It's the guy who kicked my ass. <laughs> oh, he kicked my ass and then fired me. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but immediately after that, the Frontier Dome's been restored, although the CP0 is inside. So like, all right, well, but they're going after the Straw Hat ship. So now the ship guards are in combat at the moment. And yeah, Kaku is engaged with Zoro. Uh, so they're gearing up to do something. Uh, but then Luffy meets up with the other Straw Hats. Uh, they're like, okay, so we 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 got to go, right? Uh, Luffy says, I want to relax, though. He's like, well, no, it's it's a dangerous place. So you, you probably need to need probably need to leave. Uh, also, uh, they've lost sight of Bonnie because she is chasing after Vegapunk, uh, and she's seemed at least remembered what she was, you know, after, which is, hey, can you turn my father back or not? Those are your only two options. And Vegapunk's like, well, I mean, no, but look, you gotta listen to me. So that's not working out for him. And then we cut away to a stretch of sea in the new world where we're joining Captain Kidd and Killer and crew. They've arrived at the island of the home of the giants, Elbaf, the Gasp. Fucking finally, Nick. It's happening somewhere else. And then lastly, we cut to Navy headquarters base G14 where people are arguing with Vice Admiral Garp, including um someone I don't recognize. Doll. She's not super important, so you're okay. Cool. Doll is upset with Garp. I, th- I think because... uh, Austin might have been on the episode because he kept talking about how hot she was. He, he got real horny for Doll. I could see why. Why? Why he would? Yeah. So, uh, you know, she's like, hey, come on, Garp. You can't just go and pick a fight with an emperor's island uh, unless you've got, like, permission from a higher up. And Garp's like, huh? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, hey, it's fine. I'm already here. 
It's like bada boom, baby. I'm here. Uh, and uh, also he calls out Helmeppo because he's going to go and fucking rescue Kobe from Blackbeard. He's like, yeah, we're going to go and sail for full of lead, which is a great name it's, for an island. Uh, it gets better every time I hear it. And it's like, we're going to go and beat up those pirates and we're going to rescue Captain Kobe. And Helmeppo gets really emotional, as does. So that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I could correct you on that one. I do not know who she is. Um. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of cool stuff. Uh, R.I.P. Garp. Uh, you know, it's going to be sad, but we need a Lu- we need a reason for Luffy to go after uh, Blackbeard, and him killing Garp is probably going to do it. So, good for him. That seems like it's probably going to be what happens. It has to. It's just, like, he's shit-stomped everyone else who's kind of gone after him. Like, I'm sure we're going to cut back, and he's beaten up Law, and it's just like, yeah, this guy's going to be next. Or maybe he'll interfere in that fight i don't know maybe something happened but i, I don't think it's gonna work out well for garp well, that's that's one piece for this week stuff is happening parts are moving it's a one piece chapter what was your favorite chapter this week quinn tell me um it's kind of cheating i guess but i'm gonna give it to uh if i'm yeah i'm gonna give it to chainsaw man i'm mostly giving it <coughs> for last week's chapter this week's chapter was great, too. It did legitimately have me just be like, no! Um, but, like, last week's chapter and this one are, like, so fucking good together. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I feel like there were several good chapters this week. Uh, I did quite like um, the uh, way that, hell, even World Trigger played out. I liked the way that Akane Banashi's training progressed. Uh, I... I feel like even with the single chapter, Chainsaw Man probably stands out the most in terms of there was a a great, cool conclusion to this aquarium arc. And then you get hit with the gut punch of like, oh, shit, is this all going to fall apart now? Because Yaru is trying to turn Denji into a weapon. How is that going to turn out? Uh, It's just a very it's just been a very gripping two weeks in a row. Uh, I would almost give it to my hero academia just because lebrov is back but I, I i feel like that's not fair because there's an entire chapter that precedes the <laughs> reveal and also i can't give lebrov my character of the week because like I, just because she's back even though like i'm very excited that lebrov and, and potentially gentle are back yeah. uh, instead i am going to make my character of the week <laughs> oh god this is actually kind of hard um I'm going to have it be uh, Ichika because fuck it. That that flashbacks like, you know, like seeing her go from being, you know, the narrow eyed good determined girl to being like, oh, shit, has everything that I've been working for all been for nothing uh, has been is quite trying. So. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, She was definitely a good candidate. I think I'm going to go with Void uh, just because I really do good like Void having like this new like very intense personality him signing a coat is such a fucking baller move it's so good it's great uh so i'm super looking forward to that uh the audience by the way picked chainsaw man as their chapter of the week and agreed with void for their character of the week uh but make sure you go out there and vote people i definitely saw some votes for like la brava asa uh gina a lot of good stuff yeah if it were last week i would have gone for Asa. i think his character of the week because yeah. that was a very good chapter for her all right 
Guys, that is it for a weekly manga recap. Thanks for joining us for this long, intense discussion that we have had. Uh, I had a lot of emotions that I had to get out of my system at the beginning. So thank you for that. Uh, and thank you for tuning in. We tune the show here on Weekly Manga Recap uh, for uh, rather on twitch.tv slash reality. Weekly Manga Recap records live 730 Eastern ish standing uh, standard Eastern time. Standing time. You I have can't to stand while you do it. Can't talk anymore. I've been doing it for almost three hours. Can't talk anymore. Uh, and uh, our old episodes can be found on weeklymagarica.podbean.com as well as podcast posty kind of places like Spotify and iTunes. And the video version is on youtube.com slash If you watch the video version, you can see the opening sequence that's been done first by Milo Jack Stillitz and Winsleydale Cheddar, as well as some occasional title card art by the amazing Steve Mann who draws boobs and you can see those boobs wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet because he has lots of different art profiles everywhere. You can find them under Steve man art and under a lot of different places. <clears throat> we want to thank Ninja X3 for maintaining the Google doc that keeps track of the MVP and favorite series voting and all sorts of different statistics associated with the show, including recommendations. You can go and leave your own recommendation or add your voice to a previous recommendation that has been made to let us know, Hey, you want us to cover a certain series like earth child. Uh, and you can find that via the discord, use the link to access that join our community for bi-weekly game nights, discussions on the chapters before they come out, discussions on the series that we will be doing as a recommendation before we get to it next week. All sorts of great stuff with our wonderful community. <sighs> Nick, would you like to know what our next recommendation is? Yes. Well, you know, we did that whole thing with like in the hole and stuff like that. And we picked such an excellent series like Earth Child. I was like, maybe we should slum it a little bit. Maybe their next pick is a really bad one. So I thought I'd go with a little known series. Uh, Luke Howis, uh let us know about this one. It's called um, Full Metal Alchemist. I think it's a French series. Uh, Never heard. Its description says a good dog and a good girl get very close and then other oh, things God happen. Oh, so thought, thought I'd be like, hey, why don't, we, why don't we go check that one out? Try to get some exposure on a little known series. Yeah, I certainly haven't heard anyone talk about it like it's the best thing ever. <laughs> Let's check it out then. <laughs> okay, I guess that's what we'll cover in a month or something like that. It's going to take a little bit. Good. Uh, look forward to that, everyone. And thank you for joining us here for the show. We'll catch you next time. Bye.